Hello, listening people. Hello, Ella. <laughs> okay, hello, Bartek, how are you? Ren, we started the episode. Yeah. Do the thing. Hello, Bartek. I, I often say, hello, Bartek, how are you? And you're like, I'm good. And then I say, I'm Ryan. Yeah, but that's not when we're doing the episode. Oh, okay. That's real life. <laughs> okay. Bartek, I'll do it proper. Hello, listening people. Hello. I am Ryan Swinsky, one of your hosts from Spit and Polish Presents, and the voice that you just heard a moment ago saying hello was... Bartek. Yes, exactly. And we are Spit and Polish, likingly because we are always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. And we are doing our show, Unappreciated Masterpieces, a podcast show in which we do an audio commentary for a feature-length movie that seemingly doesn't deserve a commentary. But that's where we say, no, you are wrong. This is a piece of art that needs to be delved into and discussed further. Of course, this month is October. And every October, except for the very beginning when we first started our show, it is a horror month, a spooky month in which we cover a variety of movies that fall into the realm of darker themes and plots and genres, whether they be horror, supernatural, psychological thrillers, or eroticas. Bartek, how are you? (laughs) Good, and I would just like to say for the history books, because, you know, we don't always record when new things happen in our lives or in the development of the show. This is the first episode in which we have finally got a Polish flag in the recording room. <laughs> yeah, we've got a Polish flag now. Um, so you can feel the extra Polishness of the show. The extra cultural uh, patriotism, not patriotism, enthusiasm. You could say love. patriotism if you want. I feel like that would imply that we're citizens, though. You're just very enthusiastic, you're right. So, Bartek, what is the movie we'll be covering in this episode? For I am in the episode... And I cannot tell because I cannot see the title. But you can because you have it written down. Yeah. So tell us, what is the movie we'll be covering in our first delving into of Spooky Month? The first ever film that we've ever done with the Polish flag that's at the beginning of October 2018 is Pocałunek Vampira. Ah, say it again. Pocałunek Vampira. Pots. Pocałunek. Pots around your neck, vampira. <laughs> okay. Vampira. Oh, yeah. Pots around your neck, vampira. That's my favorite fucking movie. I love that. And then, and then she hears that and responds, oh, whoops. <laughs> whoops, let me just take those off. And there you go. That's oh, no, sorry, the... I'm thinking Elvira. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do, but I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, well, I caught myself. Um, So we're covering that movie, are we? Is that it? Pots around your neck, vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Pots around oh, neck, vampire. It means a vampire's kiss. What language are you speaking then? Fucking Transylvanian or something? Oh, oh you didn't understand Polish. No, I don't speak Polish. I am oh, Polish, but I didn't speak the language. I'm so sorry. Good thing I said the title in English, though, which you can react to now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. You got one? Oh, the film, yes. Yes, yes. A movie that, up until having to actually watch it, I kept repeatedly saying, a vampire's kiss. Not vampire's kiss. No, there's too many, not just one. It's Vampire's Kiss yeah. from the year 1988 or 1989, depending what yeah. source you want to go by. And not to be confused with, this is something I discovered while Googling, there's a 
teen book series called Vampire Kisses. It's just not related to that. <laughs> okay. And it's not Vampire Academy either, just for those who want to know. But we It's can- not Vampire Academy. <laughs> we are not doing this alone. We do have a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, a guest that has appeared many times on the show, but this is their first time being a guest during our spooky month. And it's their birthday in this recording session. And it's their birthday today while we record this. Um, do you want to wish them a happy birthday, Bartek? No. Okay. Hey, it's Will Brooks. Hey, Will, how are you? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, happy birthday, man. <laughs> happy birthday, bro. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, you See, got... that's a moment of heartwarming. I didn't want to say it, and I did. You're, we're, we're covering Vampire's uh, Kiss. I think that this is the theatrical cut. Apparently there's an uncut version. We have the one that's an hour and 43 minutes, just to clarify for people okay. at home. I didn't know there were two cuts. There I were. Think, I there's think the one, one that's one I eight minutes longer. Okay, I think the one I watched was this length. Yes, so just for clarification at those at home, because we are going to be watching the movie together. You have to have a copy of the film and watch it along with us. I shall do a countdown and I shall say... Before you you start, in your copy here, is the word cunt spoken? Oh, several times. And this is not the theat. This is the theatrical cut, right? I think so. I go by the idea it's a theatrical cut because on IMDb it's this length. Okay. Um, so, I mean, this was an R-rated movie, so... Um, yeah, cunt warning, by the way. Cunt warning, they said a few times. Yeah. Um, I have a copy, you have a copy, you know, we know the gist. I'm going to do a countdown and I'm going to say play, and you're going to press play at the same time, and hopefully we'll be lined up as we discuss the beauty of Vampire's Kiss. So get ready, because I'm going to start in three, two, one, play. So, Bartek. Mm-hmm. We are watching Vampire's Kiss. It's three seconds in. Uh, four it's seconds. A lion. Five. It's a logo. Six. Um, that lion's dead, by the way. Uh, I just want to point that out. It didn't look dead to me. And um, it appears at the end of the credits, so it's still alive. Bartek, yes. we are watching Vampire's Kiss. We've covered many movies over our, our time on this show. We've covered a couple of supernatural movies that involve creatures like vampires. Mm-hmm. At this point, and only one vampire film, though, if I'm not mistaken, Vampire Academy. Yeah, and they weren't even vampires properly in that. They were like Demphi, Demphi, and uh, Strigoi, mm. and the other one I always forget. Yeah, but this, and we've also had a movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Geforce. Geforce, yeah, as a supporting role. But how does it feel for you to actually cover a movie with Nicolas Cage as the lead, a very young Nicolas Cage, and one that is a vampire movie, question mark, asterisk? I'm I'm pretty happy about it. I've seen a couple of Nicolas Cage films, but I'm not entirely sure or don't quite remember him being super crazy in them like he's in this film. Oh, wow. The, the way that you hear a bunch of people talk about, oh, this is all Nick Cage does. Oh, wow, okay. What have you seen of him, then? Um, I've actually written down all of them just in anticipation of that oh, question. Oh, great, great. He's prepared. I have seen, and I know for fact Will has too, he was in Rumblefish. Okay, and he wasn't yes, crazy yes. in that. I don't think he was. Um, 
vampires kiss. I've written them in chronological order. Oh, good. Um, most of Face Off, I've seen like oh, 95% of it. So he wasn't crazy enough for you in Face Off? He I wants saw- to take his yeah. face off. Well, what I was talking about earlier is my memory. I saw it way ages ago in Poland once. Fair enough. Yep. Continue on. Um, or I remember the last thing I saw was they were in a church, which I think is the climax. It is the climax. It's all like nearly all of the yeah, movies. Yeah, so majority. Oh, um, there's a boat chase too. And it's like it's a two and a half hour movie, so go on. Uh, and the rest of them I've seen in cinemas, in fact. Oh, good. Uh, Ghost Rider. Oh, good. G-Force. Good. Kick-Ass. Oh, excellent. The Croods. Oh, far out. the dad in that, yeah. and Snowden. Wow, okay, fantastic. Yes, All right, I've seen have, more than I thought. You have missed out on a few of his great crazy roles, but yeah. um, you have got a few in there at the yeah. same time. I, you know, I, I've, uh, I've seen a montage of clips from uh, The Wicker Man, I guess. That's oh, crazy man, one. The Wicker Man's fucking great. But, but we'll get into that. So you have not seen this movie before having to do it for the show, is that correct? No. Have you seen anything from it? Other I, than the famous meme image. Yeah, that's about it. And even then, I didn't know it was from this. Okay. When I started watching the film, I wasn't even anticipating that that was going to be the thing. But when that scene was starting, I was like, oh, I think I know what this is. Okay. Will, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you seen this movie before? Uh, no, but I've seen bits and pieces because it gets around. It does get around, as have I. This is a movie I've never seen before having to do for the show, but I know of its infamy. It is the probably, outside of Face Off, his most m- memed movie, I would say. The memes, a lot of memes come from this. The famous face meme that he does. Uh, but I had seen many clips. There's always the best of Nick Cage clips, and 95% of those are from this. You know, but, uh, you know, those are funny clips without context. And they're funny with context too, but also fucking terrifying with context. Um, This movie was intriguing to say the least for me i had no idea what the actual plot was other than it's a movie where nick cage is either turning into a vampire or believes he's turning into a vampire that's all i knew Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything else okay that was it and just the clips that you see or you know the famous a b c d e f g h i j k l m n o p q r s t u v x y z you know your alphabet. I never miss far. I know that. That was it. But I didn't know the context of this. I didn't know his dynamic with Alva mm-hmm. outside of the clips where you see him be like, am I getting through to you, Alva? But I didn't know anything about the plot other than just the basic, I thought he was turning into a vampire. Yep, I had none of that. You had none of that? You didn't even get that by the idea of the movie being called Vampire's Kiss? Well, I got the I knew the title, but I didn't see anything of it. I didn't know what the synopsis was. So, what were you thinking when you plopped it in? Were you, what were you thinking you're gonna you're gonna get? Especially because it's Spooky Month. Yeah. Well, so- and obviously it has vampire in the title, so that alone would have gotten it. Um. Yeah. Basically, I just thought that there would be a seductress vampire in it, and Nicolas Cage would be her uh, little victim. Yeah. And is there? Ah. Uh, well, that is. It's it's not entirely wrong, but it's also not entirely correct. The film at least leads you to believe so, at least. That is At correct. least, at least. At least, at least. That is a good thing to mention. Um, this film leads us in many, many directions. Now, I was pretty led. He was he was led by the, he was led he had a collar on he was mm. had a leash everything was there. Okay, I thought you were gonna make a joke about like being the mineral lead. Yeah, poisoned he was by lead. <laughs> it's pencil gray lead. 
Oh, wow, that was okay then. Hey, look, you, you like this boy character? It's the second, like, the first of two times. Why would I like a boy character? <laughs> exactly. Now, um, okay, there's a lot to unpack with this movie, but just to go into the actual brief synopsis of this film. Oh, mm. Jesus, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge, because this is a film... Well, Will has the Wikipedia. He has the right? Wikipedia, but <laughs> God help us. Just to give a brief summary of what I think it's about. Mm. Or, well, just a brief summary of what happens, more so than what it's about. I, you know, it's a movie in which you have Nicolas Cage is a young, um, sure of himself, go-getter, literary agent who is a ladies' man, and he's also very mentally disturbed. He sees a psychiatrist, a psychologist, mm. I should say. And... Um, He's acting out his emotions. He gets attacked by a bat um, while in the throes of lovemaking, and it turns him on. And then eventually he meets a vampire seductress woman mm. who turns him into what he believes to be a vampire... Or he may not be a vampire, but the general idea is he believes he's becoming a vampire and it's his slow descent into absolute madness. Mm. And he does this by basically harassing his secretary, secretary Alva, to the point of absolute disgustingness, to the point in which he, he begins to believe he's a vampire to the point of he attacks people. And and murders someone. Yeah. And then it just goes... It's just a, a story about one man's um, de-evolution into absolute madness of him becoming a vampire or thinking he's becoming a vampire. That can be a good synopsis. Basically, it's a story about a man breaking down over the course of, like, 100 minutes. Exactly. And whether or not there is a supernatural element to it or is just psychological is, um, you know, it is one of the things that the movie does um, leave you with. Yeah, we'll, we'll say this right off the bat. We, Ryan and I have seen a 10 minute cut of uh, the audio commentary official, the director and Nicolas Cage, I believe. And they have no idea. And uh, they, they have mentioned that this film is meant to be... Uh, viewed ambiguously. Exactly. It is... Um, so there are no definitive answers, even with them. Yeah, although they have their interpretations yes. and views, which they do share. Interpretations are all you can have for this film, pretty much. And that is the point. Um, this is... Uh, I, uh, okay, I've got to ask this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what your answers will be. I'm, you know, uh, have you guys ever read or seen the film version of American Psycho? I've seen the movie. You've seen the movie? Bartek? I've only seen Normal Psycho. Okay. What about Polish Psycho? Yeah, what about Polish Psycho? I mean, there are probably Polish Psychos around. So you've never seen American Psycho? Is it, is it related to the Hitchcock thing in any way? No, no. It's a film with Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. It's quite a famous kind I've of I've heard movie. of it a million times, but it, I've never actually seen it. It's got a famous scene in which he... Um, uh, he, 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 he uh, Kills Jared Leto with an axe to the face while singing and dancing along to um, Hip to be Square um, by Hugh Lewis in the news. And there's a lot of things in there. So it's a, it's a cult movie. It's a big movie. It's one of those ones mm. where there's scenes of it. You might have even seen memes from it in which uh, there's a scene in which he's showing his business card. And it's very, very intense. And people have made that into lots of funny things over the years like... Uh, him doing with Pokemon cards and stuff like that. But but I related to this because 
American Psycho, very famous. Uh, it's a big movie. Um, one of Christian Bale's first forays into American movies, I would say, that really kind of introduced him into the mainstream. Uh, it is a movie in which it plays around with a guy like this, a very successful go-getting guy who has a tendency to brutally murder people. He is a psychopath. But it's a movie that delves with the idea of misogyny, power dynamics, you know, insatiable bloodlust, all this kind of stuff, psychosis, but also is it real, is it not real stuff. Mm-hmm. And I bring it up because a lot of people have demoted the quality of this movie by saying it is just a hollow ripoff of American Psycho, but the irony comes from the fact that this came out four years before the book was published. Okay. And meaning, like, 15 years before... Like, about 12 to 15 years before the movie was made. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought the movie was in the 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s, probably filmed late 90s. But um, I just want to get that out of the way now, because it does have some similarities to it, but um, if anything, this probably inspired some of the stuff in American Psycho because there's a lot of similarities between the two of them in in interesting regards, except for this plays with the idea of a supernatural element on a level with vampirism. But um, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, William Brooks. Yes. Having only heard of its uh, infamy, what infamy is that with this movie? Is it a, Does it, uh, 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 you know, evoke a positive thing for this movie? Uh, For those no, who haven't heard of... I actually feel that the reputation of this film is unfair. You see, if you look up like bad acting compilations on YouTube, you will see clips of Nicolas Cage from this film, and that's not fair. It's not fair. Because this... This is fucking art. What he's doing here, you... <laughs> it is art. This is... It? It's, it, it's fascinating. So... I was... Just fascinated by whatever the fuck he's doing at any point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not necessarily always, like, positively fascinated. There was also a bit of, like, disgustedly fascinated But, but that's well. a point of it. But his character is loathsome. It's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, so I, any... I feel the reputation of this film, it's unfair. It's unfairly maligned as yeah. a bad performance. During a lot of scenes that do not feature the character Alva, who is his, uh, like... Secretary. Yeah, his secretary, like his bottom employee, lowest ranking in the company. Um, any scene without her, you might be feeling a lot of sympathy for him, but then an Alva scene comes along where he's just, you know, very scummy. Yeah, I felt sympathy for him in this scene, in which he had to challenge in Mortal Kombat against a fucking bat. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, um... But it was arousing. So. It was arousing, so that's There's the always thing. a silver lining. But yeah, so this does have its um, infamy in the negative terms. This is one of those ones where people think of it as a it's so bad, it's good type of movie, like yeah. The Wicker Man. I-, I will be honest, when I, ca- when I arrived uh, to the studio before we started recording... I love the fact that we can call this a studio and not just my spare room. <laughs> yeah, well, some I never uh, you've never actually you know said to me that like I'm fine calling this my house, but... I know. just, I'm happy. It feels sounds like we're professional. <laughs> Wait, Ryan, Ryan, you live in the studio? I know. <laughs> um, but when I came here, you you mentioned like, oh no, this isn't a comedy. I was like, oh good, because I thought like, oh, is Ryan just going to call it a comedy because there's silly... No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm, I'm relieved to hear that. Let's straight, straight off the bat. Yes, the acting's over the top. It is very, very um, far out there. And you can derive entertainment from it. But it all has a purpose. Yeah. 
And um, if you're watching it out of context, then you'll probably have I, to drive into. And having it. studied film and acting, mm. uh, I know the answers to why his performance is over the top. And knowing the answers, it makes a lot more sense and grounds the film even more so in art. Um, to give that answer right now is um, obviously we see he watches the uh, original Nosferatu mm. movie. And that was a part of German film expressionism uh, yeah, during the silent film era in particular. It's from the 20s. Um, 1920s. 1920s. Because we're almost up to 2020s. For the f- early film, because a lot of people, you know, take for granted the silent film era. I, I had to study it at university. We had to watch stuff like Nosferatu, The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Yeah. Things that Nicolas Cage loves and he took inspiration from. He has mentioned that he took a lot of... Uh, well, his family too, I think. Oh, the Coppola family, yeah. And, uh, you know, he took a lot of his love and admiration for the German expressionism style, which has been lost over the years, and applied it to this movie. So his over-the-top gestures and acting and facial stuff are all harking back to the origins of what is vampirism dead, uh, represented in film? Because Bela Lugosi did uh, echoes back to the German expressionism in his performance of Dracula. If you watch the Dracula performance, he's doing these gestures and stuff that are not as over the top, but they do call back to this German expressionism, which Nicolas Cage is doing. He is doing a direct callback to what is the originator in film terms of these type of, of this type of thing, of a vampire. Of, of of this, and I think you should be commended for that. I think it grounds the film in a different light once you know this, because it it is, this isn't trying to pretend that this is a real world in which Nicolas Cage's character is in our world right now. This is a fantasy version of of New York 1980s, and mm. and it's not pretending to be this in-depth character study of a real-life person. It does have in-depth character study stuff in there, but it is... Oh, there's David Hyde Pierce, by the way. Um, just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I saw in the credits, David Pierce. I'm like, oh, I, I know an actor with a name similar to that, but it didn't turn out to be the real guy. And then John Michael Higgins is back again. That's him. Um, we've had him in a few things. He's always that comedy guy that's always in things. But, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people unfairly give this movie a bad reputation because of Nicolas Cage's... Uh, acting choice but it's a bold choice and it's one when now you think about the thematic stuff and the genre stuff and the thing it's uh, that it is a part of it is a smart choice it's a logical choice mm. if anything uh, so yeah. yeah and even i can say i i also took that class where they talk about german expressionism and i didn't retain it as well as you did but even i knew watching this Mm. That there was purpose behind all his actions. Well, I would say, overall, uh, you know, we have different tastes in movies overall. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so outside of this show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're you're a little bit more into your, your um, Asian cinema, I would say, the anime and stuff like that. Not so much when you talk about films, but definitely in the entertainment that I consume. Yeah, yes. entertainment. And, but I would say that I'm into older cinema than you are. I, I, I enjoy I my golden that, yeah. age stuff with Humphrey Bogart and all that kind of stuff I can tell you actors and 
all that kind of stuff because I, I I love that kind of stuff and mm. that's why I uh, obtained that German expressionism because there's actors that are from that era that echo onwards into the stuff I like uh, mm. the the monster the creation from the cabinet of Dr Calgary which we had to watch yes I remember he is an actor that went on to do even more famous things, one of them being The Man Who Laughs, which was one of the inspirations for the Joker. And he went on to be the uh, the, the Nazi uh, antagonist figure in Casablanca. You know, and it was quite funny because he was uh, a Jewish German. You know, that kind of thing. And he went on and it's like that guy, that one actor, he's very he like if you think about it in terms of pop culture and and film history he's he's one of the most famous people but you know people don't know his name necessarily off the top of their heads like they can say with Humphrey Bogart or people of the, like that but i find it very interesting to remember the film history to build upon it and Nicolas Cage obviously did as does as well because he's using the history of film and the history of the genre of of uh, horror of gothic horror and expressionism to uh, enhance his performance in this movie. But, uh, no, it's just bad acting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Razzie. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's heightened. It's not true to life, but it's true to the spirit of the thing. So we've been dancing around the whole vampirism thing for a little bit. I've been oh, kind yeah, of going... Have, yeah. Okay, let's go straight off the bat. Do you, did you ever think at any point in this movie, or do you think he turns into a vampire? By the end, my answer was no, but throughout the, throughout there were parts where I was wondering, yeah. Okay. What about you? I didn't think he was turning into a vampire, but At any I point? like that it's the ambiguity. I like that there's no definitive answer. At any point, did you, did you not at any point think he was turning into one? Hmm... Yeah, I know, it's hard. Maybe, maybe. It, it's hard to get my thoughts back to what I was thinking while I was experiencing this film. Well, I never thought he was turning into a vampire at any point. And the, the very starting tipping off point for me was we just saw it. He was shaving and mm. he cut himself where his supposed bite is. And we don't see any wounds there when he's supposed to have been have bitten already. And then it's followed up with him serving tea to no one. Yeah, that's not really a vampire thing. Whoa. No, no, but that's clearly... It, it. was coffee. Oh, coffee, sorry. Come oh, on. Right. Um, Come on. Now, that is a vampire. And I'm thing. sorry, we talk, I talked over it, but I just want to highlight the famous digga scene in which Nicolas Cage was singing a song and all he was using as his lyrics was digga-digga, digga-digga, to himself while he was making the coffee. And I haven't seen a digga scene like that. Since 102 Dalmatians, the opening credits. Digga digga dog, digga digga dog. <laughs> but um, I never thought he was a vampire at any point. Mm. I think that this film, and I, I have a few interpretations, but um, this film, I I don't think it's he he's turning into a vampire at any point. I never thought that. I thought it's definitely a story about a man with severe mental illness. Definitely, as it progresses, it becomes very uh. Well, there's no definitive answer, so I can't say obvious, but definitely the evidence is there. But now, since I've seen this last night, and I've thought about it, because this is a movie that leaves you thinking, Mm. even if you don't like it. Because last night I watched it with my fiancé and my former housemate, Mark, who's been on the show, and they didn't like it too much. But it it leaves you thinking. Mm. It rattles your brain. 
like her hat that is just oh, a that's, brim. That's fashion. <laughs> just a hole in the top of the hat that the hair goes through. That's fashion. Uh, but um, it leaves your brain clicking with all these things. And at first, you go, you go, oh, this is a harrowing story about a man who's suffering from some form of schizophrenia, or you know, he's he's a man who's whose loneliness and yearning for love leads him to insanity. That's Nicolas Cage's view of it, right? Yes, and that's a lot of people's view. But at the same time, you know, my brain's clicking. Click, 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 click. And I'm trying to connect all these things, because it is one that leaves you thinking. And I still think that it's that. But I also thought... Is Nicolas Cage's character suffering from rabies? Because mm. he did get bit by the bat. Mm. And I was curious to, like, is he suffering from rabies? What are the symptoms of rabies? Well, All I'm, I know is the froth. I'm glad that you asked, oh, Bartek, okay. because Ooh. I... I he, Ryan I, says as he reaches for his little time tablet. To go to I'm glad that you Dr. asked, Google. Bartek, because I was worried, to, because sometimes I give my, uh, you know, highfalutin theories on things in mm. our episodes, and you are a little bit more pragmatic, and you're like, oh, I don't know about that, Ryan. What's your evidence to back this up? And I'm usually like, I just have feelings about things. Bartek... I got prepared for this, and I got some medical diagnoses for rabies. Symptoms can include fever, headache, excessive salivation, um, uh, muscle spasms, paralysis, and mental confusion. To even break it down further, the whole body symptoms can include dizziness, fatigue, fever, loss of appetite, or malaise, which are a lot of those things he does suffer from in this movie. But then to go to the psychological, delirium, fear psychosis and hallucinations but then you can also get other things like nausea and the need to vomit and vomiting you can get sensory pains such as pins and needles and sensitivity to light mm-hmm. uh, and your behavior can change to um aggressive and irritable and then you can have other drastic symptoms like anxiety, brain death, coma, difficulty swallowing, dilated pupils, drooling, excessive salvation, headache, mental confusion, seizures, and a stiff neck, which I found very interesting because he does have a stiff neck throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like these things, all like a lot of those things he does suffer from. Okay, yeah. In this movie, like he feels the need to vomit throughout he d- the movie. He does retch a lot. He does retch a lot. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Bram Stoker just researched rabies and thought I can make something out of this. Yeah, but I thought that would be an interesting thing to just to throw in the for- uh, throw in the arena of mm. this because, as Nicholas and the and the director said, this is an ambiguous movie by design. So it leaves you with all these kind of things that you can think about. I don't think any theory can be disproven because by design, that's the point. But, you know, if you said, I think he does turn into a vampire, I could I could argue some points to say otherwise, like he, he's well, in the we, mirror. We, but... we, should, we should mention this. There are points in the film where there are undeniable interpretations of what's happening. Like, he can't see himself in the mirror, but we can. Yeah. To be fair, we don't see it through his eyes, but then also in the very final... Uh, therapist scene, you can tell it's not, he's not actually there. Yeah. With the rest of them, we can't, we can't tell, but... Yeah. I, I, I 100%, 100% believe every other scene with the therapist is real. I uh, think all those scenes are real. The yeah, therapist... I, I think I'd agree with that. I can, I can only say that the final one wasn't real. Yeah. 
for, for me, I never questioned if I've never questioned if those other in, the scenes were were real or not. But I love this. Am I getting through to you, Alva? <laughs> just the point and his hair. He's so mean to this poor woman who just needs to find a file. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I never questioned. But this movie does make you question what scenes are actually happening or not. I think pretty much every scene with the vampire lady. Rachel are fake. I don't think any of them exist. Mm. But then she exists. At the end of the movie, she exists with the boyfriend that he, you think, imagines up. But then he's real too. And it makes you question what's going on. Yep, and he definitely did go to that club because a girl was murdered and he was shown... But then, that also makes you question, later on he goes to a club and kills a girl... That make I got questions about that being real or not too. With such things as he finds her alone in this banquet hall area. Like it looks like this big banquet hall in a club and she's there by herself. And then like he kills her and it's like he gets out of the club and it's like sun's about to start the rise. And like you follow his progression of him walking the streets and he in like within like twenty minutes there's the newspaper with her on the cover. Dead, and I'm like, that's not how it works. So I even question if that woman died or not, due to the magical realism feel of that whole series of events. I don't know. <laughs> like, look at this. We got these mimes here dancing out front of the streets. Will, what was your thought on seeing those mimes? I loved it. I was impressed. Did it throw you though? I feel under any other circumstances, yes, it would have thrown me. But I feel this movie. Is such an experience. I was just yeah, yeah. Of course, there's mimes doing a a thing in the street outside of his apartment building. Of course, it, now, it felt I like accepted an, completely. Felt like an art house director decision. Like let's have some people dancing in front of a building, and it will mean something. Exactly, and I, I appreciate it. It kind of reminds me of a, a sequence in uh, West Side Story. You know, the dance where it's like slapping them in the face, very dance dramatic. Um. Yeah, this movie has a lot of elements, a lot of puzzle pieces going on. Now, I just want to ask something of both of you, and I'm very curious. Did you? I'm at, not a vampire. Did you at any point confuse certain actors and characters with each other? Like, did you? Th- For me, I thought the actress who played Rachel and the one who played um this character, whose name I'm forgetting, I think it's Vicky. She's she the one that had the hat with the... Yeah, yeah. Top, yeah. Did you confuse them for each other at any point? I, I did get the girls that he hooks up with a bit confused. She's the same girl from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to confirm that. Like, there's only, like... So, yeah? But what about you, Will? Did you at any point get certain characters confused with one another, looks-wise, I mean? Yeah, maybe a bit jumbled with the girls. Okay, I want to point out, too, there's a scene later in which the therapist, out of nowhere, has a male lover. Um, yeah. It looked like the Alva's uh, brother. I thought it was. No! <laughs> no, I thought that's who he was. It's not. It's another guy. How do you know? Because I looked it up on IMDb. Oh, different actor? It's a different actor. Oh, I thought it was the brother. No! Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm questioning. Like, I wonder if this is on purpose by design. Whether they got actors who look similar-esque to each other to evoke some kind of thematic meaning to his mental state and delusion of how he can muddle up people with one another. 
Or maybe you're racist. Yeah, who knows? Or maybe we're racists. <laughs> <laughs> I did find it interesting, though, that, you know, a guy from the 1980s, someone like him who's a supreme sexist and, you know, misogynist, that him, he really digs women of colour. Like, he never goes out with white women. He only goes out with, like, he's only attracted to women of colour. I found that very Was the woman in the nightclub not white? W- which woman in the nightclub? The one that gets murdered. Oh, she was white, but he wasn't attracted to her sexually. He was attracted to her to attack her. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's what I interpreted. But I mean, like, when he gets with women, I just found it interesting as a as a thing. Like, I'm not saying that's bad or negative what, or good what about, thing or bad thing. I'm just about, saying it's a very interesting thing. Sorry to bring up all these whatabouts. What was the girl that he hallucinated in the final therapist scene? Sharon? Yeah. Um, I think she's white. But the thing about Sharon is it's him. Mm-hmm. It's the female version of him. Yeah, because she has all the same interests and stuff. And then he hates her ten minutes later. <laughs> so I think in, in filmmaking terms, she would have to be white. But I meant like the women he actually gives with in real life. Yeah. All happen to be women of color. And I find that very interesting. Like, like, I just find it interesting for a movie from this time period as well. Mm. In which, you know, usually you see them with the blonde head floozies or whatever. But in this movie, he, he goes out of his way. <laughs> to get, get women of color, which I find kind of interesting. Like he's obsessed with Alva mm. as well. I found it very, very interesting. Just the dynamics, but yeah, this whole thing of I got people confused with one another. Like I thought that was the brother with the psychiatrist. I was convinced it was. It's not. <laughs> it's... Like I, I was expecting it was going to be like a thing of you know he finds out the guy who raped his sister's name. And then he goes to his girlfriend and sees who her client is and, like, makes a connection or something. Mm. But that never ended up happening. No. Um, were there any actors in this movie other than Nicolas Cage, David Hyde Pierce, and John Michael Higgins that you recognise by any chance? Well, honestly, I think only Nicolas Cage was the one that I recognised. I recognised the David Pierce name in the credits, but I didn't think it was the same guy. Oh, I saw them when I was first up. I'm like, hey, that looks like David Hyde Pierce. Nah, he wouldn't be in this. And I looked up, oh, well, I was right. And I, I instantly knew John Michael Higgins. I saw him like, he's in this? And it made me go, how old is John Michael Higgins? But like, um, he's one of those guys where he's, he's just in everything. Like, I, I, when I looked at the cast list, I think there were names I recognized, but not really physically. Yeah. Um, he's uh, the, the girl that he, um, in the, the girl that he just left at the art gallery in the club. I recognized her. And I was like, her. I was like, who is she? She's in Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Yeah, she's mm. she's Clarice's friend at the at the institute. All right. And I'm like, yeah, I remember her because there's this. I don't know if you've ever seen Silence of the Lambs. I saw it once a few years ago. There's this just you know, it's a very interestingly shot movie. But there's a sequence in which she's talking to her friend, but it's all very intense close-ups and fast cutting. It's like they're they're questioning each other and back and forth, back and forth. And I remember it was just such an intense scene because of the way it was shot and the composition of it, and it stuck out with me. And I'm like. And remember her face. So when I saw her in this, I'm like, who is this? And I looked up like, oh, I remember her now. So did you find it interesting that they used the same shot from when he got bit the first time in that sequence? It's the same shot. It probably didn't register with me when I first watched it. Oh, I recognized it straight off. I'm like, hey, it's the same shot. I wonder if this means something. Like maybe this is like he replays this again and again Mm. in his head. What's your answer, Will? I actually just thought it was extremely similar. I didn't actually think it was exactly the same. It's the same. He's wearing the same clothes, everything. It's interesting. So, um, Bartek, we've covered a lot of 
character, like a lot of movies about character studies. Mm. Would you say that um, Peter Lowe, which is Nicolas Cage's character, is the most um, damaged and or unlikable protagonist we've ever had to follow in any of the movies we've covered? That might be the case. Would you say that the main guy from Sleepwalkers was the main character? Or the girl that he... The girl. Mm, yeah, he might be. He, he certainly... Have we had a main character that's raped anyone before? Um, I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, can we talk about old lady? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on? She has questions, but she walks away. <laughs> hey, she does come back in the next scene to comfort her, be like, is everything okay? And then walks away again before getting an answer. She's concerned, but, but that's not, not too concerned. <laughs> that's the thing. No one's concerned in this movie about anything. Which, as to the idea of what's happening in this movie, but um, I think Peter Lowe is the most detestable main character we've had on the show. Well, it's not like he laughs about this scene with a bunch of No, guys but later. that doesn't mean... Oh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, like, I was about to say, I thought you mean, like, he, he he doesn't laugh about all the things he does evilly. I'm like, oh, no, but that doesn't... He's the detestable Oh, yeah, he's very being. nonchalant about a lot and of I them. And I don't think the movie is trying to posit to you that you should feel sorry for him. I think this is just a movie that's just showing you, hey, this is how a person descends into absolute madness. Mm. I don't think the movie at any point is trying to make you feel sorry for him. I don't think that the film directly tries to do that, but in the final part of the movie, just before he goes to the fake therapist, Mm. when he's just being crazy around the street... I was watching that with an idea of, like, man, if I saw this guy on the street acting like this, you know, I, I might be able to tell you about it later on and be like, oh, man, that was kind of funny, but it would be kind of sad. Like, Jesus, oh, yeah. what's he been through? And exactly. even in the audio commentary, the 10-minute thing that you showed me, there was a part where he was yelling at these two people. And they were real people. And the director says they were real people. They were reacting genuinely. Yeah. And he called them homeless, but I don't think they looked homeless. Uh, to me, they did, but, like, um... Yeah, this this is a story... Like, I find it interesting, um, the idea of... I don't know, like, it's this kind of idea for me of, like, whoever, you know, the creators of this saw, like, a homeless person like that, because they do... You when We see them. We see them. We live in the city. Like, you do encounter crazy people who talk to themselves out loud and all these kind of things and all doing all these things. It's like if someone sat down and saw that and kind of went, how did they get to this point? And that's kind of this movie. I've never seen a movie be brave enough to show that type of descent in, descent into that type of madness. They're always mm. kind of like a a manic breakdown in which at the end they give an epic monologue and they're sweating. But this is a movie where he's descending into madness as him running around on the streets of New York saying he's a vampire and kill him. And then he's just groaning I've never seen that before. That type of madness. What about you, Will? What do you think about the the um, the inter like the way the film shows his descent into madness? What do you think about how it was done? Well, I don't think he's sympathetic. I think he's a despicable cunt. But he is interesting. Oh yeah, interesting. It's, it's, it's just a like. Look at this. It's just. I was just fucking fascinated. I was just sitting on the edge of my seat on my couch the whole time. Just wow. 
When he and kicked that lamp, like, fucking, like, oh, when he, he just, kicked that lamp and it fucking exploded, I'm like, oh, that's a real lamp. <laughs> like every little, like, like the little bits, I'm just like, this is, this is, uh, you. It looks like you're watching someone break the fuck down and just, just like a vampire, just de- degenerate to like the just lowest point. Yeah, it's I, fascinating. You know, if and if, it's fucked up, but it's fascinating. Oh, it's fucked up, but it's, it's so engaging. It's engaging, though, because you know, I've um, you know, I I personally don't agree. Sorry, I don't agree with the standpoint from people I've met sometimes in which a movie is invalid because of an unlikable or uncomfortable um um uh thematic thing or or mm. plot thing. So I've met people literally last week. I was sitting down, and I never thought in my life that I would be defending the film True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. But, like, I, they, they were arguing... This person was arguing me that that film is a terrible movie because their relationship is very fucked up in that movie, like him and Jamie Lee. And I'm like, but that's the point of the movie. Mm. The point of the movie is their relationship is not a healthy one because he's a secret super spy. That breeds an unhealthy dynamic. I've met people who don't like, would never like this type of movie, in which you are following around someone who is wholeheartedly unlikable, but you're watching them descend into madness. Now, I can understand that to a point when you, when you're following characters that are unlikable. But this is a movie where he gets his comeuppance for being unlikable, and you could argue that it's not even his fault because he's suffering from severe mental illness and or rabies. <laughs> So, you know, like, obviously the, he has some accountability. He he m- maybe mur- probably murders and or rapes someone. And the rape thing has also got an asterisk next to it as well because there's a bit of, bit of a bit of a debate about that whole thing as well with this movie or whether that's real or not as well. But, like, this is an unsympathetic character. But I wholeheartedly disagree with people who whose standpoint is we should never be uncomfortable and mm. follow unlikable people. It's like, this made me sad, therefore it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Or this made me feel uneasy or mad. This film wants mm. to make you feel uneasy. It wants to antagonize you. It wants to provoke feelings. Mm. It's not trying to be a comedy, right? It may have unintentionally funny things and there are things that might be funny, but overall, it's not a comedy. This isn't American Psycho, where American Psycho is a black comedy. Hmm. It does have that in there, but this isn't trying to do that. Like, yes, you have this alphabet scene, which is which is fucking funny, but um, yeah, let's let's get that clear. There, there's a lot of things that people who you know maybe haven't thought about this film as deep as you know yourself, myself, will, um, who look at the crazy things in this scene and have made like memes out of them. Yeah, like there's an entire image macro of a face he makes in this film that's become one of the rage faces the you don't say face and he doesn't even say that <laughs> and he doesn't yeah i didn't mean to anything like not saying that you can't derive humor from this oh we've already derived humor in this episode yeah, there's some can. very funny bits in this movie but to say as a whole it's a comedy no no mm, i wouldn't say that i, I would never try I could understand... In complete just, context, yeah, it's not a I comedy. would never put this on at a It's So Bad, It's Good movie night. No, never. No. No. It wouldn't fly. You, there are definitely people who would. This does feel like a high-polished version of a Tommy Wiseau and Neil Breen movie, but like... Look, I'm not going to lie. When he was destroying his apartment... It reminded you of Tommy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the end of the room. But he was doing it competently? Like... 
Well, again, when I saw the sparks of that lamp, even I flinched. You know, but I, I, uh, you know, to say it's a comedy is a disservice and a lie. Like, I would never say to someone, check this out and you'll get laughs from it. Because you will get occasional laughs, but it is because it is iconic in its meme history and it's Nicolas Cage being crazy. And at this point, Mm. Nicolas Cage is no longer an actor. He is Nicolas Cage. But at this point, he's 22 years old, 23 years old. Let that sink in if you're watching the film. Yeah, fucking let that sink in. He does not look 22 or 23 in this movie. We're older than he was. Is he lying about his age? But, like, give it to him. He fucking puts everything into this. And this is his favourite movie and performance he's ever done. Mm. Let that sink in. What was that video, Ryan, that you were telling me about earlier? The uh, Nicolas Cage breaks down his uh, Most career? iconic roles. Yeah. And he talks about face-off, but he spends most of that talking about a vampire's kiss. A vampire's kiss. Oh, vampire's kiss. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, that's my mistake. No, I, I, kept, I, I kept thinking it was the vampire's kiss. No, I kept thinking I it's a vampire's kiss, but it's just vampire's just kiss. Just like Baby's Day Out, I knew the title. <laughs> but I kept saying it was Big Baby's Day <laughs> <laughs> That happens. Sometimes that happens. A movie's title can get slipped up like yeah, that. It's that like Berenstein Bears or whatever. Yeah, isn't, like Berenstein isn't Bears. The bi- isn't the Baby's Day Out one like a Mandela effect? A lot of people think yeah. it's Big Baby's Day Out. Big Baby's Day Out. Yeah. A lot of people, also, a few people, including uh, uh, Brad Jones, from Cinema, uh, Cinema Stop also thought that the movie was about a baby turning big. I was so happy. I think you linked me that. I was yeah. so happy. I was like, oh, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I, I thought that movie was about a baby turning big. <laughs> and I knew that the film Honey, I Blew Up the Baby existed. And I knew that, I knew in my brain, that's not the movie I'm thinking about. I know that one exists, but I thought Baby Stay Out yeah. involved in Failure being big. Watch is my super ex-girlfriend. Um... But yeah, I found this an interesting, you know, um, thing to uh, to watch because I had to keep saying to myself, Ryan, this isn't a comedy. But IMDb lists it as a comedy, and people take the clips out of context, and you think, oh, it's a comedy, but it's a it's a real fucking psychological. Uh, movie and I I wouldn't put it past saying it's a horror movie, but not in the sense of slash or anything. It's just horror in terms of its themes are just horrific. Like if oh. you had to argue, it would be in the black comedy section, but it's a real argument though. Like yeah. you would have to yeah. have like a fucking uh, um, what do they call it when you 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 have to talk incessantly for like uh, manic. No, no. When um, we like uh, Americans do it for um, politicians, they have to speak for like fifty hour, like for a million hours. Uh, a filibuster. Filibuster. Like oh, you have to okay. filibuster your argument for this being a black comedy. That's the amount of effort you'll have to put in to make me budge on this not being that. Like this scene is the famous face scene. And Nicolas Cage said that he just really wanted to see if he could get his eyes to go big. Yeah. Nick, I like how his Nick ha- does really great crazy eyes. He does. I like how his hair can't even contain him this itself. Like, it's just, like, trying to escape his head <laughs> during this scene. But, like, the thing is, although he's being crazy in this scene, you know what it's followed up with? I think I know exactly what you're going to talk about. When she leaves and he says something? Yeah. Yeah. You, go on. He, he, it basically, the first thing he says is kind of sounds like a taunt, although he's going to say it right here. Don't you want to use your gun? You could almost interpret that as a taunt, but then he adds in... 
Oh no, sorry. It's just the tone that he says it. Yeah, it's the tone. It makes it sound like he's. He, no, he's it's like he wanted her, her to shoot him. And it's not even the tone as well. It's that moment of silence after it, and his yeah. body crumples. It's body language. Like, look at him here, holding this bag in this way, and it reminds me of uh, a Clockwork Orange. There's a scene in a Clockwork Orange where Alex comes home and he's kicked out of home and they don't want him. He's got his belongings in this brown paper bag and he's clutching onto his crying. It reminds me of that, you yeah. know. But but basically, for anyone who's not following along with the film or was watching it muted also, his, his, the way he delivers that line is, aren't you going to use your gun? Like, kind of sadly. Like, he, he like it almost in, reinterprets the whole scene as, I wasn't doing it to be a dick. I wanted to make her angry so that she would kill me. Yeah, and it's it is a movie about a guy who's struggling. That's the movie. It's about a man who's struggling to to fight off his his mental illness, his his supreme detachment and loneliness. This is a man who is completely alone. He's got everything going for him. He's got money, he's got success, he's got a nice place, he gets ladies, but like he is alone. He wants love. And at the end of the movie, like for a good portion of the movie, they don't even focus on the fact that that's what he wants, is love. But then he has a scene, the imaginary scene of the psychologist, in which he's just like, I want love. I'm going to go out and look at it. And his, his subconscious version of the psychologist laughs at him about wanting to look for love. Mm. Just unpack all of that, man. Just unpack it all. So this movie takes a lot of twists and a lot of turns and a lot of intrigues. There's a whole fact of this isn't a vampire movie, but a lot of people go in thinking it's a vampire movie. And you can't be blamed, yeah. I mean, it's called Vampires. It's called Vampires Kiss, but like, I don't think that's the fault of the movie. I think that's just you know, this is what the movie. I, honestly, is deliberate. I think it's completely fair to say it is a vampire movie, even with the twist and possible interpretations, because the film wants you to think that way. Exactly. Now, there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of things. What were some of the things that uh, intrigued you and caught you off guard? I guess because I did walk into it blind, I didn't necessarily... And I, and again, I didn't know it was going to be sort of like a almost case study or a complete breakdown. The ending point is going to be the broken point. Mm. I might have been expecting, in the back of my head, a resolution of some sort. Um, so by the time he got... You know, the, the apartment gets more and more messed up. Oh, yeah. And reflecting also him, he gets more and more messed up. I guess I just wasn't expecting it to see it go that far. Like, when he's in the streets acting crazy and I was having my thoughts of, like, man, if I saw someone like this, I, I'd feel really sad. It, it just went to a certain extent that I wasn't expecting, especially for a film that, you know, is from the 80s. It's been around for a long time. People have had time to talk about it, and yet it's an unappreciated masterpiece. Yeah. I guess that's a universal thing I can say about unappreciated masterpieces, but this time it really... This feels like it shouldn't be unappreciated. This is one of those ones where, you know, I could hear someone say, this is a cult classic, but I don't know. I don't really hear people talk about this in a genuine sense of the artistic merit of it as a cult classic other than Brad Jones from CinemaStop. He has a video on uh, um, uh, Obscurus Looper's channel in mm-hmm. which he talks about it as, like, this artistic okay. multi-layered thing. I'll link it to you at some point. But, like... 
I always hear about people talk about it as that meme movie with Nicolas Cage in which he shouts the alphabet and people uh, laugh at it. Like a YouTuber I like, Chris Stockman, he has a, a segment on his show called Hilariosity in which he covers good, bad movies. And the image in Hilariosity is the meme face that he does. And he uses, like, he has an intro where he's got all the best of, like, I did not hit her, it's bullshit. And then he has A, B, C, D. But he's never covered it on the show. Mm. Because he has said at one point, it doesn't line up with the rest of the things that he covers on there. And I'm like, then why do you have it in your intro? Other Just than out of context, out of context it's funny. You could do that with everything. Like, out of context, you could take scenes from Apocalypse Now, and they're the funniest fucking things because Robert Duvall is fucking great in that movie, and he just wants his surfboard back. Mm. But the whole movie itself isn't funny. I mean, look, Nicolas Cage here eats an actual cockroach. I felt a little bad for that cockroach. Uh, Ryan, hold on. Don't you mean that our main character has eaten a cockroach? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Feel low. You're, you're not saying that Nicolas Cage actually did eat a cockroach. Oh, no, he actually ate a cockroach, or man. Or two. He had to eat two because oh, the director was... didn't like him. <laughs> I thought it was free. Am I misremembering? No, no. I'm getting uh, anecdotes from like years and years back. You know what? I did hear three somewhere, but I think in the audio commentary thing you linked me, Ryan, they mentioned two. Just two. And and he made made him do multiple takes as revenge for something earlier on. Because Nicolas Cage refused to move to the left. Oh, for the ripping scene. Yeah, Yeah. and he's like... I, did, I, I gotta be still for this, but like yeah. Nicolas Cage dedicated himself to this role, and it's still Without his favourite role, which I find intriguing, considering the um, body of work he has, the um, how early this was in his career, and you know, uh, now that he's in his, like, you know, what is it, 50s, he, you know, he's he still holds a, holds, this still holds a place in his heart. Um, yeah, but what were some other things, what about you, Well, were there some twists, turns, things of intrigue that, uh, that, you know, that intrigued you or caught you off guard in this movie? Well, I've, I was pretty much caught off guard right from the start, because this, like I said, this film's reputation is Nicolas Cage makes silly faces and says silly things, and then the actual film just goes right into the abyss of the, the just fucked up lowest of humanity, just watching a man who is very not very mentally stable at the beginning just go right off the deep end yeah that's the thing too he doesn't even begin as a normal person he is slightly off to begin with well yeah he's not relatable he's you know you got a decent position not everyone does have that and he but you wouldn't even say he's sane no he's not exactly like your normal hollywood movie would start him off as this sane guy, and something goes wrong for him, and then that thing kind of reflects the thing that's wrong in his life in general, and then it spirals out from there. You know, that's what would happen. Or they do American Psycho route, where they say straight from the beginning, he's a fucking psycho, and... But this movie is, no, 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 we're gonna see him go to the point in which he's a crazy guy on the street, who's, you know, just talking to walls and shit. And I've never seen that in a movie before like that. With a main character? Never. I've never seen this before. I've never seen a movie like this before. There's elements that American Psycho has, but not like this. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this, and I think that's its strength. I've never seen anything like this. It's just... It's fascinating. I love this. I can, I can say if, it's just... if this movie was actually released in 1988, then this would be its 30th anniversary. Yeah. Oh. Man. There you go. Because it's 2018 now. I love Nicolas Cage trying to cure her cold. Look, I got this. It's like, you can't even see what it is. Like, it's what is it? It's soup. Like, 
It's soup. You mentioned soup? <laughs> yeah, I got soup. It looks like it's in a little, like a little satchel. What, what do they call it in the commentary? Thing? Like miracle miracle, soup or miracle soup, yeah. Um, We have to talk... I mean, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this, but just to go into the intrigue and, and uh, things that caught you off guard, uh, you know, we mentioned it before, God doesn't mention it now, the rape. I mean, mm. that, that fucking caught me off guard. Uh, although it makes sense in the context of what happens, like it's not like a showgirls moment in which it kind of comes out of nowhere. It all leads up to this, but it's still a brutal thing to to have in your movie, and it doesn't try and redeem him or or make it sympathy for him. They do make light of it a little when he does say to his mental version of his psychologist, "Oh, I raped a woman a couple of days ago," and he's very blasé about it. Mm. It's kind of played in a lighter way with that, but like at the same time, he's also talking to a fucking wall. Yeah, well, so, that, yeah know, that was in his head. Yeah. That's in his head. But, like, you know, in terms of the framing of the yeah. movie, that's kind of like you could chuckle at that. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not the I filmmaker think it's more saying. To show how far gone he's, he mm. is at that point. It's definitely not the filmmaker saying he's talking to another person who isn't crazy and they think rape's not a big deal. Exactly. It's but all it's in, in internalizing his, his actions and trying yeah. to justify himself. Yeah. And just to, you know, a little cherry on top of that, she also makes light of a murder. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um,. So if you're one of those people who think, oh, murder's worse or rape's worse, then, you know, both have been cut, cut, but, uh, covered. Covered in this. Well, he just needed to step up to cannibalism and necrophilia. I mean, cannibalism technically, I mean, he drinks a woman's blood and chews her neck, so... Probably bits of... Bits of this. Bits of that person uh, in there, But I was guess? he cannibalizing someone who was already dead, or did he have to kill them? No, he had to kill them. These then. are the ethical questions you have to ask. Um, I feel like this is Vartek's favorite character, cab driver. <laughs> And he's listed as Dream Cabbie. Well, he is a dream, I guess. He's <laughs> but he's real here, right? No, no, I mean, like, you know, dream boat, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought you meant he's, he appears later with his wife in the from the photo. You remember that sequence? Wasn't that the... Wasn't that someone else he met who talked about his... No, no that was the cab driver. Yeah, cab yeah, driver. yeah. The cab driver cab talks boat. about his daughter. Yeah. His wife. Oh, his wife. Yeah, it's his wife. Okay, I thought he was trying to, like... No, no, Get no, he's saying, together. like, I've been together this long, and it's great, you should do it. No, but I thought in the in the imagination sequence... Oh, no, no, I think he's just, like, it's him and his wife yeah, it's still sitting his wife. there, just being like... And she's, like, how she is in the photo. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, this thing has a lot of twists and turns. One of the things I really like about this movie is it's about loneliness. Hmm. You know, Nicolas Cage, his character Peter Lowe... Did you notice this? When he starts to get attached to someone, that's when his craziness just fucking spikes up higher and higher. Mm. Did you notice this? Like, when he leaves her at the art gallery, I think that's the beginning of his proper mental breakdown, is when he leaves her, the girl at the gallery, because he's actually fe- having feelings for her. So you're saying the part where he's singing digga 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 is when he starts breaking down? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all... It's all... I don't know, but like I think like that's... When he leaves her at the gallery, that's the real start of, like, the proper there's no turning back from this moment because he's afraid of attachment. Like, he's getting close to her and he he removes himself from the situation mm. and delves into fantasy because he likes vampire movies. And, you know, what about the scene in which, you know, he sees the couple outside getting hot dogs 
and he just crumples like the Venetian blinds and he's just like, he can't handle it and he can't even answer the phone. He just can't handle other people's happiness because he does not have it. I just find that an interesting thing that they put throughout the movie, like the cab driver here, he's seeing that, and then later on he imagines them in his in his office. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's an interesting character study about how someone can internalize these things and, and use them to inflict pain against themselves in this regard. What is this, a simple thing about this guy being married? He internalizes that and uses that to victimize himself. It's just fucked up, man. One thing that I want to mention, ask, whatever term, um, regarding our perceptions of what is real or what is not real, Mm. um, I was kind of playing by the rule or assumption that anything that we, the audience, sees that Nicolas Cage doesn't see can be interpreted as real. I think maybe you're not on that boat. Okay, okay. Could you... Just break that down again for me in a simpler, like... For example, this conversation right here. Yeah. He cannot hear this. He cannot tell that this is happening. Yeah. But we, the audience, see it. Therefore, yeah. I interpret that that's real because it's not from his perspective. Okay, interesting. I think that's a good way. Yeah, to no, take I'm it. I'm different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying that because in the scene where he calls the secretary, we uh, the, sorry, the therapist, we see her, we see what's happening around her, you know, her boyfriend and stuff like that. But you claim that she's fake, therefore you probably wouldn't have that opinion, right? Oh, I don't think the therapist is fake. Oh, you just think all the therapy scenes are? No, 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 no. I think all of the therapy scenes outside of the last one are real. Wait, that was my opinion. Oh, I thought you were saying before that they were up for question whether the therapy scenes were real or I guess, not. I, I guess I, they could be. I think that's what yeah, we I gathered no, from I what you said before. I noticed this earlier, guys. You both agreed, but you phrased it slightly okay. differently. Oh, so that's okay. Some but I do, have, I do have things... I am on... But I am opposite to you on what you're saying. I'm going to... I'm gonna. I don't know if this is going to blow your mind or not. I don't know. But mm. I don't think the brother's real. Yeah. Alva's brother. I don't think he's real. I don't think that, he's I'm, real. I'm actually a bit mind. I'm actually a okay. bit mind blown. <laughs> okay, okay. El- elaborate. I'm fascinated. Okay, hit me. Now he may be real in some scenes, but in a specific thing, he's not real, and that makes me question whether he's real or not to begin with. This is a spoiler for the end of the movie, but this is a commentary podcast. You which really you should, should watch really it beforehand. Nicholas Cage gets brutally murdered at the end by the brother who's seeking revenge on Alva's rape. Yeah, and the rape thing connects into this as well, but I'll get into that a little little while and away. just to explain for people that don't understand, um, brothers tend to not react well when their sisters are raped. Exactly. He goes in and tracks Nicolas Cage down to his apartment, and Nicolas Cage at this point has made a homemade coffin, and he has yeah. a stake, a wooden stake that's actually just like a, a piece of fence, Yeah. and um, he stabs it through him. Yeah. To kill him. Yeah, Nicolas Cage basically holds it up in place and yep. he gets the idea of, oh, I'll just push that in to kill him. I don't think he did that. Mm. The brother. I did read some people online didn't think that was real. I don't either. think that's what happened. Because these shots that proceed, the brother's not in the room at any point, but he would still be there. We don't see him leave. We don't hear anything. I don't think he's there. I think Nicolas Cage, whether or not he stabbed himself or killed himself, he killed himself. Are you saying... So just to be clear... He's not real at the end or not real overall? I think because my interpretation is the brother's not real in that sequence, Mm -hmm. it makes me question whether he's real or not 
to begin with. Because his introduction is weird, in which she wants to pull over happenstance. They go by the place where the brother works. Just by happenstance, they go by and she wants to stop and talk to him. And like you said, she's having this conversation with him that Nicolas Cage doesn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like I question his that character's realness. Maybe not for everything, but for a good portion. Like, the last scene in which he comes and gets attacked by the brother, I don't think that's real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, since that's not, how would Nicolas Cage know to make up that guy if he was real and he's never met him before? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, mm-hmm. it's why a, would Nicolas Cage fantasize this guy killing him if he was actually real, but he's never met him? So it makes me question if he's real at all, because he wants other people to kill him. He wants the vampire lady to kill him. He wants people on the street to kill him. He wants he wants Alva to kill him because he is too much of a coward himself to do it himself. Like, he is too afraid to kill himself. He wants someone else to do it. He wants to provoke someone to end him. And at the end, that's what happens. But this the shots that are shown, the brother's not in the room, but he doesn't leave the room. So where is he? And it makes me, and it's very angelic, the ending. And then the vampire lady comes on screen and she says, dream of me. And it makes you go, wait, is she real? What's going on? It's all very dreamlike and, and, and uh, you know, hallucinatory. You know, it's very psychedelic. It's very weird. It's very, very angelic. It's very, so it makes me question whether the brother as a whole is real. Because I think in Nicolas Cage's mental state, it would be easier for him to think, of this elaborate revenge story from Alva, in which she gets her brother to end him. That's what I think. Whether that's real or not, we'll never know. Mm. But that's what I think. Whether the brother's real or not, I, I, I'm leaning on the side, no, I don't think he's real. Maybe in one scene or two scenes, but I don't think overall he is. Just due to the fact that I don't believe he kills Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage kills Nicolas Cage. Like I think he ends his own life. And it's easy for him to him to interpret it as someone doing it for him. Because by that state, he's already made up a girlfriend that rejects him. And he's made up all these excuses. Like, he's internalized all these things to justify his actions. Because he's a guy who doesn't want to deal with his own actions or inactions. It's easier for him to internalize them in these fantasy things, in this, the psychologist saying it's okay that you murdered and raped someone, it's okay that you're a vampire, it's okay these, 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 these. But even then, his fantasies turn against him. His Sharon rejects him, the vampire woman rejects him and has a new boyfriend, and then, you know, the idea that Alva, uh, uh, Alva gets her and, uh, you know, her, her, you know, revenge in a way against him. And then this is the rape sequence that's about to proceed. Yeah, that shot there confused me for a bit because you can just barely see her enter through that door with the way the framing works. And the first time I watched, I had to rewatch it. Yeah, I was yeah. like, why did he go through that door? And I noticed, oh, you can just barely see her. Oh, they're running it. at super speed. Apparently, apparently Nicolas Cage is running too fast. And they were like, Could you oh, slow they down? said that about the I'm a vampire. Oh, scene. I'm a vampire. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was the one. But um. This is a dark turn. This is a dark turn. Mm. And stuff like um, putting blanks in a gun and shooting them in your mouth would fuck you up. That's a fact. Like, you can blind someone with a blank. Well, 
to be perfectly clear, blanks are still lethal. Yes, but it doesn't kill him. I don't remember who it was, but there was a case of someone who put a gun with blanks up to their <laughs> temple, assuming ha-ha, a joke, and, yeah. actually, and they actually died. They're actually at lethal. At that range. They, they that... are lethal at that range. Like, uh, in the film In Bruges, a character is blinded by one when they're shot mm. in the eye. But, like, he shoots himself and he still doesn't die. And it makes me go, is this real too? See, with that one, I kind of had the problem of, does the filmmaker know that blanks can actually be lethal or not? And that's the thing. Um, you know, it's the filmmaker and Nicolas Cage on purposely have left things ambiguous. They don't want to talk too much about what's real, what's not. They In the commentary, they're kind of laughing at it. Like, <laughs> what are you thinking? That's crazy. One of the things that, uh, you know, I've, I've said before, I'll say it now because it's happening on screen, and you might notice it too, is... The director has kind of said that this is not rape. Mm. And it isn't. In terms of what you see on screen, we don't see him rape her. We see him, like, kiss her and caress her. But he doesn't penetrate her, and she turns into the vampire lady. And then he tries to kill himself before he actually does anything. Uh, you know, and it's weird too because once he embraces her, she faints, or it doesn't even look like she faints. It looks like she, like Alva, she has a smile on her face, and then she turns into the vampire lady. So the director even says this sequence here may not even be real. It may be like he 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 went to do it and then he cowered it out, and he's trying to Does... consequ deal with the consequences of what he's done well maybe maybe we're jumping the gun just by calling it rape does is the word oh no yeah he yeah they the do therapist yeah, yeah they do they, they say it and, and she feels like it's rape but also the way it's constructed on purpose is mm. she may not even know for a fact because she fell unconscious or whatever and yeah. you know you would assume because of what he was doing and all these terrible things i'm not saying that straight off the or bat maybe... that it isn't but it's it's not directly shown. Or maybe they just both have different interpretations. Like, he yeah. thinks that he raped her. She thinks, oh, he just took advantage of me and did some stuff against my consent. Oh, I think Not she... necessarily raping me, but I'm very... Oh, know, I think she I believes that he, she got raped. Maybe, yeah. I think just the way that she's in bed and all these things that are symptoms... Well, definitely she thinks... So, well, mate, yeah. Yeah, that I think... Goes so. against what but I, but I think the way the scene is constructed, we just saw it. We didn't see anything. But at the same time, that doesn't mean nothing happened. Yeah. So it is one of these things in which even the rape is in question. That means the murder's in question. That means the brother's in question. Everything's in question with this movie, and that's just fascinating. Did, hold on. Jumping back to what you said before, did the, what did the director say about it? That it may not be rape? Yeah, it may, he says like, um, when they constructed it, like it's not rape. Like it, looks like, it's going, like it looks like it is, but it's not for him. That's one of the things he acts... Not for the director. Yeah, not for, for him, and he's the one who makes the scene and then mm. constructed it. So but For someone who's, you know, building up, oh, this is ambiguous. But that's, that's what I meant. Like, that was one of the things he was just like, this is controversial, but, like, for me, this wasn't what it was. This, is, this episode's very much, like, the opposite of the Stepford Wise, where you were, like, calling for death of the author. Well, oh, no! have to have that, too, because, I mean, when you see discussions of this online, some people are like... Yeah, yeah, he absolutely definitely raped her. But whereas, like, the plot synopsis on Wikipedia actually implies that they're just both mistaken. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying fucking whoever the fuck wrote the plot synopsis on Wikipedia is like, yeah, this is it, this is yeah, the yeah. official interpretation. But that's their interpretation, so people... Is is that written? People in, aren't sure. Is that written this. in the summary or the reception yeah. uh, or what? Synopsis, I'll get the yeah. Bloody... 
But um, I'm you know, death of the author can apply, and I'm not saying it can't to this. Like I'm not going to dispute that it doesn't. But also for me, before I found that information, I did feel that way last time. When she reacted weirdly to that when it happened, and then then like the way that it happened, like you didn't do anything, you didn't take anything off. The way it was done, I was like, that is deliberate. Like you could tell the filmmaker did something deliberate there. I, I will say this, Ryan, because I can't, I can't find the line. Okay, that's fine. Um. Earlier, you said that you never thought he was a vampire. No. With me, I, my thought was it was up in the air, like, what's going on? So when the when the scene was actually happening, I was still wondering, like, okay, is he just biting her? Or is or is it, like, he's not a vampire and he's actually doing a rape? Mm. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, thinking that he may have been a vampire, it... It kind of evoked in me this idea that, like, okay, he's chasing her, and obviously it is evoking this idea of, like, oh, it's almost like a sexual predator chasing down a yeah. victim. Um, but when he actually did end up, like, going on top of her, and, like, she's on the ground, I was like, okay, so is it just going to be a, a bite? Is it going to be actual rape thing? Um, but then after that scene, when, you know, she's, you see her in bed, and she's very upset, and she's clearly not bitten in any way or anything like that, yeah. that's kind of like a turning point where I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be a bit harder to still think maybe he's a vampire. Mm, and I, I want to know this too. What do you think the symbolism or thematic or whatever of her turning into the Rachel character means? What do mm. you think that... What do you think about that? When he, when he allegedly rapes her or attacks her, she turns into the Rachel character, which is the vampire... What do you think about... What do you think that... Could we interpret... Could we interpret the Rachel character as being, like, his ideal woman, perhaps? Okay. I have an idea myself of this, what this the Rachel ideas, character... But... I have an idea of what the Rachel character is, but I just wanted to throw it to you guys, because I, 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 I'm throwing a lot of stuff at the wall I, I on think... this one that I have oh, that was That was a throw at the wall as well. I think maybe, jumping back to what you said about confusing characters for other characters... I think there was a thought in my head of like, oh, he must have met her at some point, mm. um, and I just forgotten because I've gotten the girls mixed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he does meet her at the bar when we meet John Michael Higgins for that brief scene. He sees her and talks to her, and then comes over. But mm. It feels not real, but real. But what about you, Will? What do you think about the character of Rachel appearing over Alva when he attacks her? Um. Like a lot of the things in this movie, I think it's very ambiguous and you could take a lot of interpretations of it. But I think the one I'm going to go with, at the sort of towards the end with the psychological session where he, he creates Sharon, it's seemingly the mm. I, his ideal partner. Yeah. I think Sharon is what he wants. He wants his ideal partner to be. Yeah. But I think Rachel is what his, his ideal sexual partner actually is. It's sort of oh. predatory and violent and okay. possessive. And that's that's what he actually wants and what his own sexuality is. But Sharon is the partner he wants to yeah. want. Yeah. Okay, that is a good interpretation. So, that's so the like way I'm Rachel's take it. Rachel's the id on a mm-hmm. level. And Sharon is like the super ego or something. Like interesting. I like yeah, I I, I guess I, listening to that, like you can also have an interpretation that Rachel is the female version of what he's, what he actually is, or becoming. exactly. Yeah. I interpreted Rachel as a manifestation of when he gets too close to someone. Rachel manifests into something to 
to drag him down into because he's obsessed with like he's all about self-loathing and i think he he gets attached to someone and that's when rachel appears to bring him down. Because that's what she does. She dominates him. She possesses him. She owns him. And you're marrying her. And I'm marrying her. Now that's my <laughs> fiance name. But like, like, I think that's what it is for me. She's a manifestation of his his hatred of himself. So when he gets attached to any character, he even gets attached to Alva. In a sick way, he's attached to her. Because she's... The opposite of him. She's pure. She's virginal. You know, she's got the cross. She's in white. She's got all these wholesome clothes. And she's not white, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, and, and he's, he's obsessed with her. But like, once he gets attached, Rachel comes in to remind him of what he is, which is pathetic. And then at the end, he gets rejected by Rachel. When he just goes, I will accept you. He gets rejected. See, that's not the brother. That's a different guy. It is a different guy. But look how similar they look. Yeah. But like, um... Oh, so then that also brings up the question of... And I guess a complete answer for this could just be random guy. Who is the partner that she has in the the bar if she's completely made up? Oh, which one, sorry? The one that she dumps uh, Nicolas Cage for. Oh, Rachel's boyfriend. Oh, um, um, uh, and his name was Donald or Douglas or something. Something along those lines. Yeah, I'll get into that in a second. I don't have an exact answer, but just to go... Um, Should we mention the trivia about the pigeons? That they drugged the pigeons and Nicolas Cage didn't even know and he just thought that he could catch pigeons? <laughs> in, in the commentary, there's literally a thing of like, oh yeah, we have to drug this pigeons. Oh really? It's like, what, you really thought you could catch a pigeon? Well, you thought you were like, oh, I'm Nicolas Cage, great actor, I could catch pigeons? And he was like, yeah. Uh, like, um, I think Rachel is a manifestation of his self-loathing and hatred. Mm. I think Sharon is kind of what Will's saying. He's perfect ideal person, but I think also it's him. It's the female... It's just him. She is him. Because they've got everything in common. It's himself. And then we don't even see her turn into this. We see him talking to himself. She turns against him and hates him. Because at that point, everyone's turned against him. Including himself and everything. Everything is turning against him. So I think Rachel going over Alva is... You know, in his sick brain... He's obsessed with her, and he feels an attachment to her, and he's about to become attached to her by having sex with her, which is, in his world, that is the closest form of human connection he can ever get, is having sex. And a kiss. Vampire's kiss. So when he's about to do it, she turns into Rachel, and he cowers and jumps off of her. And tries to kill himself. I think that's... Something there. And he says boohoo. <laughs> well, what did you oh, think? <laughs> I think boohoo's an understatement. There's, an like, an, there's, <laughs> a thing that, there's a thing in the commentary, but yeah, give us your it's thoughts. Just, it's just this <laughs> noise, and it's just... <laughs> Nicholas Cage, man, he just said he wanted to see if he could use the boohoo in a dramatic way. like yeah. one that could... He called it an, an actor's challenge, like try to make it not sound childish. And you know what, I feel like we've done that in... A drama classes to mm. make something like that work in a way like yeah it's a, it's a definite actor's challenge i um yeah this movie is one of those ones where at first i i you know look i can see people watching this and be turned off by it because they're thinking they're gonna get this lol funny crazy nick cage movie but then they get a movie about a man who's mentally ill who yeah. possibly rapes someone and murders people and if you're not the type to experience that twist and be surprised and intrigued then you might be someone who's let down but i think it's one of those ones that yeah yeah you know but if you actually think about it 
it has these layers there. And I'm not even saying that anything that we've said in this podcast is 100% accurate because these... I did give the disclaimer, everything in this movie is meant to be up for interpretation. It's a movie that challenges you and gives you ideas and makes you start thinking. We're in murky waters here. I didn't think before having to do this podcast that, like, you know, when I was, like, you know, starting uni and I saw a funny Nick Cage video with this being shown in it, I never thought... Man, I'm going to be discussing the analytical merits of this at some point. Like, I never thought that. But, like, even if I didn't do this podcast, I felt like if I did watch this movie, I would talk about it, like, the way I'm talking about it right now. Oh, yeah, I reckon so. Because it does. It makes you want to have a conversation after seeing it. Like, this is one of those ones where if we were there when it came out, and we saw it in the cinema, we would talk about it, good and bad stuff, the goofiness, the... The, 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 the this, the this, the... Do you think this is real? Do you think this is real? Like, this and this and this. And I think that's what they want. They wanted to have people be provoked and engage. I think they succeed. Hmm. So, that brings up one of the big questions. Why is this unappreciated masterpiece, then? Haven't we just kind of explored that already? Yeah, well, but why? Like, what is it, though? Like, is it just because it is about an unlikable thing? I don't know. I feel like there's other things where they have that that are appreciated movies. I don't know, man. I guess just because of Nicolas Cage's reputation, that's what people want. I I feel like it's all the things we've discussed. Just people being let down, people not liking the fact that they got something unexpected. Yeah. Just people not being the best that they could be. You know, sometimes when we do this show, we have the the answers to these questions, that kind of question. Yeah, like, oh, it's the wrong time or whatever. But it still disheartens you, especially as people, you know, us three, we're creative people. We we engage in creative materials and create create our own. And it is disheartening just to have the... Very simplistic fact that just people just don't like it. Be the answer. And I'm like, yeah, but what about this thing? What about this thing? What about this thing? And people will just go, yeah, but it's shit, though. I'm like, but it isn't, though. You have to argue that point, and it'll never hit home. It does kind of jump back to this whole idea of a first impression is everything. Yeah. A, A first impression can be broken down, and it could lead you to being like, this is better than I thought, or it could be... This isn't what I thought. Yeah, exactly. So you're a glass half empty, glass half full thing. I think it just gets unappreciated just because people have trouble categorizing it. Just it's it's a strange experience watching this film. And yeah. some people like us, we probably like that. Oh, we've got all these great things to talk about. But maybe other people like I just yeah. felt very uh, uncomfortable. Granted, I I might and be... <laughs> I don't want to think about Nicolas Cage in yeah. this fucking movie yeah. anymore. Gr- granted, I might just be talking out of my ass because I didn't have to summarize it. But earlier on, when you guys were talking about how like how do we summarize this, I was thinking in my head like, is it really that hard? But it kind of is. But it, I guess it kind of is now that we've discussed it more. Because it, it, it's hard in the fact of how do you explain it in just a objective way? Because it is such a subjective thing. You like To describe the plot of it, you have to have your perception of it and mm. delve in from that perspective, from that angle. Yeah, it's very I have to try and be like... That's why I was like, vampirism may or may not. Blah, blah, blah. You have mm. to try, just to when you sum up a movie to a person, you have to try and do the 
baseline thing. Like, you know... I think you did a really good thing with the man is being broken down over the course of the film. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it might be... You know, some people, they just want to know... Like, you might say, oh, Pulp Fiction, man, it's so good, it's about these crazy... But, like, that's not the story. The story is, Pulp Fiction's a story about four separate stories that intertwine, and you have to break down each story. That's what that's about. You don't, like, if you want to give a proper objective thing, you don't talk about, like, oh, man, it's about Quinn Tarantino's fucking yeah, you don't crazy. You don't give, like, a highlight reel. Oh, it's a great film where there's a scene where they dance. And I mean, we do that them. on this show a lot, but that's because most of the movies that we do on this show do have a recognition outside of just something like this was recognized for the goofy shit. Mm. Like when we do something like Big Fat Liar and we can just do that, it's because people, for the most part, know Big Fat Liar and they know it's about Paul Giamatti being an asshole and Frankie Muniz doesn't like it. But this movie, I I didn't know what it was about and I feel like most people don't know what it's actually about. They just see, oh, it's one where Nick Cage turns into a vampire, right? I, I guess, you know what? <laughs> Ironically, this might be a case of this is the film where Nicolas Cage goes full Nicolas Cage, but that doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah, exactly. Now, Will. Yes. Bartek brought up a moment ago, and I, I haven't answered it yet, of this moment here where she comes in with her new boyfriend character, whose name I think is, is a D name for sure. I can't remember if it was Donald or Douglas or something like that. Knowing me, it's like, it's Ted. Harry. <laughs> um, it is something common, I think, though. What do you think? I think it's Donald. Do you or maybe think, Douglas. Do you think... What do you think about this whole thing here, though, of 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 this? Because she's actually... Do you think she's actually at the club? It's actually really hard to say, because I, I, I think the other scenes where he's imagining her biting her neck and everything... Biting his neck and everything, I don't think those... Are literally happening. No, but her reaction to this is awfully subdued for how far out there he's acting. So yeah, oh, this is. I mean, like I don't think this, this is this hard is, to interpret. I don't think this part's real. But when he goes onto the dance floor, yeah, and, and sees her, and that, she's that like comes a across. As, yeah, that comes across as much more genuine. But even but then the happen. Yeah. But then the happenstance mm. of her being at that club. And you know all that kind of stuff, yeah. like I guess I could buy that part, yeah. But but that's the but yeah, but that's the thing. I can't necessarily because the things I mentioned before about the happenstance of uh, Al- uh, Alva bumping into her brother's shop while being travelled by, like, and it makes me question the reality of things even more of how he bumps into her. Yeah, and she's got and she's got yeah. Donald there as well, and that's the thing of is Donald real or not? I don't. No, I honestly don't know if this moment here in which she actually encounters her in the club is real either. Like, I could, if you said, yeah, it is, I'm not going to deny you. But if you said, no, it isn't, of, I'm not going to, I'm on the fence. I'm I'm just not sure. Of all the scenes of, what's the actress, Jessica Beals? Uh, yeah, Je- Jessica Beals. Yeah, of all the scenes she's in in this film, I think this is the most one where you would be questioning, like, is she actually there? Because exactly. the rest of them, you can just think like, oh, hallucination. But here, there's a believability to, oh, she's just a random person. It's just so, like, the whole, even the whole club sequence is kind of in question. Because look how easy he got by the security guard. Yeah, he just punched him, yeah. And he just sort of punched him. The guy sort of crumples a bit and then doesn't do Go. anything. And then when he murders the woman, he's in this, he's... In, a, in a packed club. But this entire huge, almost anti visa or some he... of this whole section is all just bare. He's drenched with blood. No one questions it. It's it, like normally 
when really convenient things happen in a movie, you wouldn't really... Oh, just like, oh, that's... You know, they had to do that to get to the point they wanted to. But here, it's almost like it's adding... Like, am I supposed to be doubting this? Yeah, and just seeing Donald's reaction just then and hers, they did react weirdly. Like, he laughed, but it was kind of like he looked at it with a knowing look. They are unexpectedly amused for normal people. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of, I guess, think like, oh, that was a crazy person we'll never see again, but... Yeah, the way the film's made, I mean, not to not to spout the obvious, but it makes you question it. I mean, this is not the way I interpret the film, but one possible interpretation you could go with is Rachel actually is a vampire, yeah. but Peter is not actually turning into a vampire or anything. She's he like is some actually just supernatural deity that's just been messing with him the whole film for I mean, that's not my He's interpretation, Renfield. but you could go with it. I was going to mention that, yeah. He acts more like Renfield than any Dracula And one of the things about the Renfield character in many interpretations is the fact that he wants to be a vampire and he'll do anything for them and he becomes this pathetic, pathetic husk of a human mm. in the search for perfection. And that's kind of what he's doing too. So if you interpreted him as the, uh, uh, I guess, uh, maybe a modern-day film equivalent of the Renfield character as the lead, that's an interesting way to look at it, too. I wouldn't deny you that. I mean, I still am tossing whether or not this is a mental breakdown or rabies. (laughs) I am, I really am. I'm flip-flopping on it. Like, I see a lot of the mental stuff because it's already there, but also rabies. All the things I read out and, like, the things that he does, rabies. Could there there be a lot of films where now you'd look back at, like, crazy characters and think, could it just be rabies? Yeah, but if those films set up the idea that they got bitten by an animal that gives you rabies, then, yeah, I would. Bats are a big reservoir for rabies. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you get bitten by a bat, you should... Go to a fucking doctor listening, people. It's and, that's, very and that's assuming that the bat was real in the first place. Oh, Again. Well, well, I almost called him Christopher. Um, Nicholas. Nicholas Cage wanted it to be real. He got his assistant to chase down a bat. Can you imagine being that assistant? Honey, I'm not going to be home. I'm chasing down a bat in Central the fact Park. That he asked an assistant to go catch a bat in a park. It's like <laughs> it's like the biggest fuck no. Kind I of mean, things. that's dangerous. <laughs> now, if we want a second definition of what's real, then the two people that he encounters in this shot are literally not acting. Yeah, they're just real people. They shot on a long lens and just let him go. I wonder if they ever found out. No. No, this film's all too unappreciated. I remember one time when I was very young, we were walking down a suburb in Sydney, we were visiting, and there was, like, a closed-off for film set. Just to be clear, you said we. My family. Yeah. No, we were, as a group. We were very young. Ryan and I. And uh, I I remember this vividly. There was a closed... The block was closed off for a film set, and it had this beautiful red Ferrari, and they were doing, like, a... stunt with it and i never i've never known what movie that was <laughs> maybe it was a commercial yeah maybe i don't know oh, no, I, yeah maybe probably who knows but like i've never known what that was for mm. uh, if yeah I, and like those homeless people allegedly homeless people they probably don't even know what this is <laughs> they just probably thought oh there's a real crazy guy <laughs> how funny would it be if one day they watch g-force it's like i know that voice 
Yeah, that's the guy from Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah. No, that's the guy we saw on the street one time in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I said in G-Force because his voice in G-Force is the one he oh, uses yeah, for, kinda like this for Peggy Sue Got Married. That's the voice he uses for that. So right, I remember in that thing, episode, yeah. I remember that episode, we were like, you and Mark were surprised that was his voice. And I'm like, I've heard this voice before. <laughs> Not saying it's bad. I've just, I've just heard it before. Like, I felt like this was almost real because he really was close to getting hit by cars. <laughs> like... Too close. Oh yeah, we ha- we haven't brought it up uh, yet, but uh, or at all. Um, but there are a lot of people who laugh also at the accent he puts on. Yes. Now, Will, um, do you know about his accent? There's, 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 a, there's an anecdote I'm vaguely remembering about this movie regarding his accent in this. It, now, before it, we, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's true because I didn't double check to verify. So, Is he imitating his father's voice? Yes, uh, <laughs> partly. Uh, but before we get into proper, what did you think of it, though? As just a viewer and as an actor yourself? Because you yourself make some fucking weird accent choices when you perform. When? <laughs> um, Whammo! <laughs> it felt... It just... It, it felt like it fit. It like, I mean, like, as soon as he opened his mouth, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the way he mm. is going to talk in this movie. And it's just... It's it just seems to suit him. Okay. To suit the sort of petty tyrant he sort of is That's true. In this film. Mm. So Bajak, please explain to the listening people and to Will as well the, the history and the ideas behind please this accent. Please enlighten me. Uh, be- before I do, I'll just say that um you know, walking into this film not knowing much about it, but and again, still thinking it's a comedy and that maybe his acting is possibly being bad. Obviously, watching throughout the film, you realise that he's doing it's, stuff on purpose. Yeah, it's very deliberate. When you hear that accent at first, it looks it's it looks like it sounds like it's flip flopping between a like more typical American and a typical British accent. Mm. So it almost feels like, oh, does he want to be British, but he's like failing to keep it up? Okay, yeah. But um, my my interpretation after watching the film more, was, okay, he's clearly just trying to do a bit of, like, a hybrid accent, because mm. you can get that sometimes. Yeah, 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 a continental accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think I've heard someone mention, like, oh, you know, I was once in Japan, and I heard someone speaking French, and they had this hybrid French-Japanese accent. You never think about that. Um, but the reason he gave was that he wanted to his character to purposely be putting on a fake accent to give himself a certain look, mm-hmm. um, like a high-class look, and that's why it flip-flops a bit, because he doesn't always have to keep it up. And here's the thing too, Will. Ooh, um, ooh. He does it only <laughs> for certain characters that he interacts with because he wants to impress them. Yeah. The, the one character he doesn't do it for is the psychologist, because he's not trying to impress her. Yeah. He's trying to be real, to real her, with yeah. her. But in this sequence here... He's doing the accent because he's trying to impress himself. Again, this goes back to he's trying to internalize this. He's trying to hey, he's justify this. He to subconsciously himself. knows that this session's not real. Yeah, he's trying to manufacture this to make himself a good person. Yeah. Even though he's not. Um, I, I didn't think he was trying to do a British accent. I just went, oh, he's trying to sound posh in general. Okay. And then I read it, and I was like, yeah. And then another thing is his dad was, you know, a literary professor, and he found that his dad would put on this voice. Not this exact voice, but a put on a voice. And he found it funny, but then in growing up in life, he was like, no, I understand. But it's still interesting, the masks we put on. Mm. And he puts that on for this character, because he thought a literary agent would want to come across this way. 
And I find it interesting. Again, this is another layer to this performance that adds to the subtext of this character is is constantly... These gears are in motion of 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 just trying to be something in the world and in his own mind. And also, he's English on his mother's side, so give him a break. Yeah, and he's a coppola. Give him a break. He's just from one of the biggest fucking yeah. acting according, families ever. According to his little bio on IMDb, he has also a bit of Polish ancestry. Oh, you, oh. Could you tell by his face? <laughs> 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 and his hairline? His hair in this sequence looks like yours. I was about to say. <laughs> well, I wasn't about to say because I thought I'd be wrong, but if you're saying it, then yeah, I was right. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, Sharon. But yeah, like... Sharon is the female version of him, basically. I find it interesting. But yeah, this movie has a a lot of things going on, and it is an interesting uh, uh, romp. But we've talked about a lot of the serious stuff, but just to get lighthearted from a little bit. Did we have a favourite funny moment, whether it was intentional or not? Any kind of standout moments for us that even, even with all the psychological nuances we went into... You just do have to laugh at. Maybe not specifically a thing, but all of his little behaviours when he's, like, putting on his boss persona in the office. Like, you know, the tick-tock of the head. Yeah. The, like, picking things up off the The jumping on the table. Just to, like, show a bit of dominance. The jumping. The too late, too late. Oh, that's a tick-tock thing. But, yeah, just... I guess his in-character acting was mm. pretty entertaining. Not to say that they're the best parts of the film, but for me, I, I enjoyed them. I also like the stuff of him at work, too. <laughs> they were my favourites. I'll, I'll get into my specific favourite, but Will, I want to hear from you. Did you have any standout funny moments? Well, yeah, like we said, there's, there's, more to, there's much more to this film than just some silly moments. But I like the one where he's in his apartment looking at his reflection and he touches and he's just... Shh. <laughs> yeah. Like it burns. Like that's one. I just lost it. I like, I don't know. It's one that I think is, is flying under the radar because it's funny, but there it's also fucking be. terrifying. Yeah. When he's in his office and he's like, Alva! 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 And he just cuts to them outside and the woman says... He's eccentric. <laughs> and I'm like, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> I like that moment. Just like you said, he, I think he said at one point that he was inspired by the, the dad from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> okay. Alvin! <laughs> Alva! Alva! I love that little moment. That's just something that, that quirks me. But out of all the big, loud, iconic moments, I've always, always always loved the ABC. I mean, you can't skip over the ABCD EFG and then her reaction, you know your alphabet. Like, just I love that. That's really iconic. I mean, we talked about all the serious stuff, but we can't skip over those little moments mm. because... And yeah. I, I like also conceptually, he thinks he's turning to a vampire, but also he very consciously buys fake fangs. Yes. That also gets into his mental state. Like, even... He must be aware on some level that he's not a vampire. Oh, I, I wasn't even bringing that up for this reason, but there was also a thing in the commentary about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he turned up to set the first day with a pencil moustache. No, like, no. And everyone no, everyone was shocked, but they didn't know how to bring it up. Like, he wants to have this throughout the whole film. <laughs> and they persuaded him by saying one thing to him. Do you know what that was, Will? What did they say? 
They said, oh no, but later on you're going to have the scene where you buy the fangs and that's not going to make any sense. Yeah, it won't look good. And he's like, and he wiped it off. And he was immediately like, you're right. I love how you hear these stories about how people have to work with Nicolas Cage like he's some kind of foreign ambassador that you have to respect their culture. You have to respect their culture or else you're going to start a war. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it does mm. sound like that. Like, we, we can't You're fuck up with on these... eggshells around you. Yeah, we can't fuck up with this delegate or else there's going to be a World War Three. Like, that's how it feels with Nicolas Cage all the time. Like, in Green Hornet, he was originally going to be in it and he wanted to do a Jamaican accent and they couldn't say no because he's Nicolas Cage. And then they just got someone else. <laughs> and then he dropped out and then they got Christoph Waltz and he they played got a, it. They got a different Oscar winner. He, he got... Yeah. Oh, wait, did he have it at the time? Nicolas Cage? No. Christoph Waltz, yeah, because the first Hollywood movie he did was Inglourious Bastards. And that was 2008. And, um, and Green uh, Hornet was Green a Hornet after w- that. Yeah, 2011, 2012. Because I think we were in uni when it... Really? I bought it on DVD when I was at uni. I could have sworn yeah. I... It's 2011, 2012. I could have sworn I saw it in cinemas when I was in high school. 2011 then, probably. But um, oh, we'll okay. argue, and then someone will be like, "It was two thousand one." The main, actually. the main, <laughs> stupid. The main point: it was, it, was after, it was after Inglorious Bastards, though. No, yeah. yeah. What did you think of his homemade coffin? That was one of the funny things I like how he propped it up with his books. Yeah, I, I didn't get it immediately, but I did get that that was his coffin. I did like that. Uh, I thought you were going to say I didn't get it, it was his couch. <laughs> and I'm like, in the trivia, there's a pointless piece where it's like, his homemade coffin's his couch. I'm like, yeah, you fucking idiots, of course it is. <laughs> like, little thing like this, like, how did he know this was his apartment? Like, at first I was like, oh, maybe because he can hear him. No, they specifically have no sound coming out. So how did he know this was his apartment? My immediate answer would have been that it was in the phone book but even then I don't remember. No, it's just like the general building. Because they have to watch and wait for him so he can follow him and then he's locked out. He has to break the glass and find him. Maybe the details are written in the office like the place where he looked up Alva's and she looked at at some point. No. I don't know. No, 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 because they use the phone book. I think, again, Mailing this, address, I don't know. this feeds into my thing of he's not real. In I know, this I'm sequence. Ju- I'm just trying to justify otherwise. Just in case, Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're playing devil's advocate. Mm. But, like, in this sequence, I genuinely don't believe... Because also, he immediately turns to murder. Like, he's there to just beat him up. But he immediately turns to murder. Like, like without a second thought. And it goes through him very easily as well. Like, but maybe, mm. I don't know, I haven't had the sticker a guy with a stake like this. But, like, yeah, you don't see him leave. You don't hear anything. It's just, like... He just walks out of frame, and now he's disappeared. Like, you don't hear him, you don't see shadow or anything. He's he's still in the room, but where is he? He's just gone, and the music's swelling, and like, you, but you still have the diegetic sound of people in the room and stuff, and he's not here. Yeah, he's just gone now. He's just gone. He's just gone. There's not even an evidence of his crowbar or anything. And it's just kind of like one of these little things where you go, huh, where did he go then? Like, it is one of these ones where, like, debates, like, you've seen this online, like, this is a debate. Like, uh, this is just my personal interpretation. Mm. I'm not saying it is the definitive answer, but for me, there's lots of things that kind of build up to this thought process. I guess the fact that we don't see the entire apartment after he gets murdered, in quotes, kind of lends the idea of, oh, maybe just, like, they got rid of the diegetic sound. What do you think of this, though, where she's here? Well... When you asked the question earlier, what did we think about her, I did think of this as well, but yeah. that definitely is in his head, I'd reckon. Yeah, I think that's his, yeah. like, he's dying and this is his final 
visions. Well, but your, of... your opinion is that he isn't dead, though. No, no, right? I think he kills himself. Oh, right, that, that was, yeah, that's right. I don't he's think he gets that. murdered. I think he killed himself. And he internalizes that mentally as someone else doing it. Because that's what he's been doing throughout the whole movie. Mm. Is he wants other people to be responsible for his actions. I or inactions. I love that everyone's credited as the players. Yeah, again, yeah, it gives this nice kind of thing. Touch. And, like, even some of the characters' names are just very, like, you know, joke guy. And dream cabbie and cursing cabbie. Like, I noticed that the... And Ukrainian. I noticed <laughs> that the numbered people are in reverse. Like, editor 321, mar- sorry, marriage girl 21. Yeah, it's interesting. So, the movie... Larry. Yeah, Larry. Uh, the movie has ended, unfortunately, but it was a great ride to have. And, um... Yeah, you know, you still have lines of dialogue from the movie echoing hauntingly throughout the credits, which is interesting. Was it just Dream of Me? Yeah, Dream of Me, you know... Oh, that's just Best it. watch that I open sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, that was a strange line. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why she said that. But um, that's the end of the movie. We're going to get into our reviews, uh, ratings, some comments from the internet, and we also have a quiz... Yeah, we can save that for the post-show thing. Yeah, you know, if we're feeling it. Like, it is so weird because we have this goofy quiz. I was but throughout the whole thing, I've just been like, literally, this tw- has been too serious for this goofy literally quiz. Literally 15 minutes ago, I was like, oh, I could bring up the quiz, but we'll save it for later. Okay. Could well, I... Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, could I just jump back to the fangs bit again? Yes, please. Because when he murders, possibly murders someone in the club, oh, yeah. he takes the cheapo plastic fangs out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess, do you guys, do you think he's aware on some level subconsciously that this is yeah. not yeah. actually happening? Oh, yeah, 100%. The fact that he buys the fangs alone. And he can't even afford the good ones because he shelled out money on a cab fare, but now he's poor. Like, mm. isn't he incredibly rich? Like, these things just... But also... He also lied about how much he spent on the cab to get Albert to work. He doubled it when Did he told him. No, math, no, or? no. He said it cost me almost $50 and it cost him forty two fifty. Oh, sorry. I thought he said 24 was how much he paid. No, 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 no. It was forty two fifty oh. because it cost 20 bucks to travel to and 20 to travel back. Wasn't it more, it was a round wasn't it more trip. coming back? No, no. It was summer. a round. He got paid for the round trip. Okay. For some reason, I remembered yeah. it as the cab driver saying 24 all up. No, no, it was a round trip thing. So he mm. said at the when he went there, he's like, "Come on, you know I'm, I'm you know I paid twenty bucks to get here. That's how kind I am." And then at the end, total forty two fifty something, and that's when he's like, "I shoot out like almost fifty bucks to okay, get never here." Never mind, he didn't lie. Then. So let's get into our reviews and ratings, Bartek. Let's hear from you first. This was a treat. No two ways about it, unless you well. Unless you're the type of person who was let down, yeah. But for someone who, as who, as someone who was not let down, this was great. Mm-hmm. As an actor, I definitely respect Nicolas Cage a lot more, because even though I have seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight films of his, also you never seen the National Treasure movie. No, but I know of that one. Is that one of his I actually ones? Seen National Yeah, Treasure. those are his. Uh, all I know about those that are his is fun ones. All I know about that is that he mentions Declaration. Of That's in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go on. Um. So yeah, I've seen about eight films with him in it. All sort of different. Yeah. I don't. Necess- I can't remember much of Rumblefish to be honest. But of of the other ones there, and also Face Off. But of the other ones, it's a bit more subdued. Some of them are, two of them are voice acting in children's films. Kick-Ass overall is a bit of a wacky film. Yeah. And Snowden is, well, it's based on real life. Exactly. Um, so, I yeah, I haven't really seen the full on Nicolas Cage that everyone talks about 
when it comes to, oh, bad actors or meme actors or anything like that. Mm. So when I walked into this and I started seeing how he was acting compared to, you know, Snowden and all the other stuff I've seen, I was thinking in my head, oh, this is going to be one of those. I'm finally going to get one. And then it ended up being used for incredible dramatic effect. Yeah. I've already said it, but it was an absolute treat, an absolutely out-of-nowhere surprise. I highly recommend this to everyone. I watched it blind, and I had the pleasure of, you know, experiencing it for what it is. Yeah. And not to say, not to imply that, I, you know, I'm better or more culturally, culturally enriched than anyone else, but I, I would recommend knowing the true genre of this film at least, knowing that it's not really meant to be a comedy when watched in full context before walking in. Yeah, at least know it's it's tonal place. Yeah, no you don't have to be spoiled about anything, but try to at least understand that this isn't this isn't the wacky film that the meme came from or anything like that. I mean it literally is, but it's not what it implies it is. Exactly. Give this one a fair shake. I give this one a fair shake. All right. Well, let's hear from you. It's um, I was really, really pleasantly surprised by the film, and also would you say it was a unpleasantly surprised? I would go even further, Bartek. I would say it was a birthday treat. I was literally going to and ask. thank you <laughs> and two since guys it's spooky so month, much. A trick or treat? <laughs> oh, it's just Halloween and my birthday coming at once. How about that? And it's, I mean, who doesn't want to spend their birthday? Watching movies where Nicolas Cage jerks off in you know, the shower with you know, their love. You know ones. what I just realized? <laughs> Ryan, you know what I just realized? What? Th- this doesn't apply for G-Force, but when we did um, Green Hornet, which was meant to have Nicolas Cage in it, we did that on the guest's birthday. Exactly. So, you know. Live action. I thought you were going to mention he puts on a different voice and accent in each performance and his real voice. <laughs> yeah, that's, even some- in that, his- that's something even- I have to interrupt Will for. Ryan, did you notice he uses a different voice in each film? <laughs> Sorry, go on, Will. To continue... You may. Um, yeah, it's a very good film, and I strongly recommend it. But you do have to go in with the right mindset, because from the reputation, you might think it's just, am I getting through to you, Alva? But it's not <laughs> that in its... In- that's not the whole thing. There's mm. other was- sides to this film that are quite, quite different. So I recommend it, but watch it as a film. Don't, like when you're getting your mates together for it's like wacky bad movie night don't chuck this on because you're gonna mm. kill the mood pretty quickly yeah especially to put, it, to put it mildly don't chuck it on with your female friends either especially like you know like you're like hey girls we're gonna have a wacky fun time yeah, and they're just sitting there like oh yeah there's the extreme sexism and rape real fun time guys yeah there it's might not... be there might be some people who would want a trigger warning for this I yeah guess. It, it, look this if you want to do the it's so bad good kind of thing i guess if you really want to Double feature this with Showgirls. That's the closest you're going to get. <laughs> or just find a, like, compilation version of the parts that are meant to be entertaining. Exactly. Go on. If you're not going to... Yeah, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, shake your yeah. hands. I'm shaking my hands in front of the mic. My my rating was a fair shake. So, um... Well, this is a fair sh- I would No, I won't rip off fair shake. So, I'd recommend this movie, but go in. It's a lot heavier than its reputation would make you think. Yeah. Spooktacular, give it a go.
That's his rating. Spectacularly. Well, I'm going to be short and uh, sweet because I've I've said a lot. But um, this movie is a, a, a an art house movie. It is one that uh, it, it evokes a lot of emotions. It makes you question uh, the intent of the people involved. It uh, it makes you think about what has happened and what hasn't happened in the narrative of the movie. The themes. It, it they really hit you as well. I think that this movie is a real gem of a movie. I think people have underlooked this one. It is it does live up to those meme moments. Those meme moments are great when they happen and they are highlight moments, but it doesn't like we've said again and again, it is not a reflection a true reflection of the film as a whole. I but they don't devalue it either. They they match, they work in context. Um, and they don't out of context, but they work in a different way. Yeah. I love this film. I've always had a strained relationship with Nicolas Cage. I am not a person who is a Nick Cage meme fanatic fan like some people are, guests we've had on the show. Uh, like, uh, you know, our friend Luke, he loves Nick Cage in that way. I've never been in that regard. I've always, with that regard, I've always liked people like Steve Buscemi in those meme ways, but not uh, an affection for Nick Cage like uh, most people have, but I do have an affection for him in this movie. As an actor and a, an enthusiast of film, I really respect his choices in this. They may or may not work for you, but his intent, he followed through on it, and for himself and for the film as a whole, he succeeds. And I think that is perfect. If I had to give this film a rating, which is actually really hard... It is, yeah. Um, I, I actually had one while I was watching it, but I completely forgot what it was. I give this movie an A, B, C, D, E, F, G out of H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, V, W, I, X, A, V. You know, Ryan, I could say good rating, <laughs> or I could say, you know that I have at one point on this show given the whole alphabet as I a rating, know, but right? I gave it, <laughs> I gave it different. I gave it the full alphabet of the full alphabet, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to add on... If you do want to say that this is an art house film, mm. and for a lot of people, art house could be like a make it or break it thing. Yeah. As far as art house pieces go, this is a pretty easy one to digest. Yeah, a very commercial one to digest. A commercial. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it is good. If, if you if you're not really into an idea of an art house film, this one really is easy to digest. So, what did the internet think, Bartek? Do they have nice things to say? You got some comments from YouTube, I imagine. I do. I ignored all the ones that were making obvious jokes. Yeah, we don't like obvious jokes here. We're subtle. We subtle. Subtle. Exactly. See how subtle we were. Just then, it was so good. It hit you in the face. Very high brow. Hit us in the face, Bartek. Yeah, yeah. All the comments that were like, "Oh, Nicolas Cage is acting so badly," or "Oh, I only watched this because of the meme." I, I've ignored those comments. I've, Great. Gra- I've grabbed a few that the cream of the crop. Yeah, the yummies. The first comment is, "Lamau, I only watched this movie because of the fucking meme of Nicolas Cage's face." Laughing emoji. Oh, okay. Now I know what I just said there, but there's a response. <clears throat> Why would you watch it only for that reason? Cage is awesome, and just him being in a movie full stop is enough to want to watch it, colon D. I agree, man. You, the original commenter, he just got, as they, as the hip kids say, teabagged. Yeah, they do say <laughs> that. Theodore Bagarelli'd. <laughs> yeah. The next comment is I dot 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 
cannot tell if this is supposed to be a comedy or not, dot, dot, dot. I mean, I can tell you, man. We just did. If you want to know, listen to, to our fair, podcast. I just remembered <laughs> something. I, I didn't watch it in full, but apparently the trailer is cut to make it seem like a romantic comedy. Yes, I've seen a version of the trailer. Uh... It doesn't do the film justice. Doesn't, doesn't. It's one of those ones. It's hard sometimes. Trailers look, they're hard art form in themselves because you got to show the movie and show it in a way, but also make it want people to come see it. But they kind of do it some favors and some not. That eh, it's it's a whole thing. But go yeah. on. This would be a hard movie to make a trailer for. Exactly. Where do you take it? Yeah. <laughs> this one made me laugh a bit. Good. The the relationship between what's bracketed and what's not. Thumbs up if smoking weed gave you those vampire illusions. And then open bracket. Mum could tell it was just Pete's imagination from where things avert from reality to his point of view. There's no way a blank bullet could kill him. He just didn't know they were blanks. And notice how Pete talks to his imaginary girlfriend. The what supposed to be his session was also an illusion. Not mm. just because of where he was, his therapist could have called the cops after hearing him confess to a murder. Close bracket. I like how uh, they had to clarify that one, though. Like, like that one, the I, only- I was with it for the... But they had to clarify that, like... I just love it because the first sentence about, you know, the smoking weed is not bracketed, but then the rest of the comment is in brackets. Like, oh, this is an afterthought. Never mind about it. Never mind about this stuff. The weed thing, please. So how many more have you got for us, buddy? I really hope he doesn't do anything dangerous with blanks because he clearly underestimates them. He underestimates their supreme power. I've got an entire one more YouTube comment before my one IMDb review. Hit us, broyo. Broyo. That's that's, um, Polish for boyo. Yes. I fucking downloading that right now. Good on you, buddy. I hope you downloaded it legally. Um, And I hope you don't think it's a romantic comedy thanks to the trailer. Thanks. Now that you... Admittedly, I would love to have seen someone go into this thinking it was a romantic comedy. I I love that kind of shit. Um, Let your grandma see it, people. (laughs) Now you can listen to the IMDB review that I picked. I hope it's a good one. Well, Ryan, you know what a review is, right? Yeah. It's it's something that's... Oh, well, I'll explain it to you then, Will, not Ryan. <laughs> okay. Um, it is something that's meant to give people who have not seen the film an idea of, you know, what the film is, what you can get out of it. It's meant to be a sort of formal thing where you basically understand what the film is, what audience can get out of it, just what it is. It's meant to kind of sell you on you should see this film or you should not see this film. Why right? don't I just watch the film, though? Because you don't want to waste your time unless you know it's going to be worth it. Yeah, if you, if you oh, hear... A, it's like, that makes sense. Yeah, that's the whole idea of a review. You're meant to read them to give you an Thanks idea God. of, should I watch it or should I not? That, yeah. That, no, and it. obviously, that's what I'm going to read for you, right? Give it. <clears throat> this review is titled, I'd gladly exchange the time I spent watching this for plucking my nose hairs. Okay. It is so from, it's a positive review, then. It is from <laughs> the 26th of August, 2017... Okay. And it is a Reasons. 1 out of 10 review. You mean, like, they 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 just had 1 over 10? You mean, like, they gave it 11 or something? No one would give this one, a 1 out of 10. They gave it a 1 tenth of 100%. Oh, wow, okay. You must not realise that you're supposed to go higher. Yeah, 10 out of 1. Oh, they must have they must have actually just pressed the enter button without... Like, you must think it's like golf. Mm. It's like, I yeah, need to make okay. it lower. And they'd let's, rather pluck their nose here. Let's hear their review. <laughs> 
Yeah, review. Wow, the opening credits stink of a bad after-school special. You mean the establishing shots? Okay. Next paragraph. Interracial. How progressive. (laughs) I mean, I was saying that in a way before, but this guy, okay. Next paragraph. Foreign distribution. How strange. Dot, dot, dot. A hot dog cart. Are they just describing things that are happening on screen? I think they're basically live tweeting the whole movie. (laughs) Alright, from now on, all the breaks that I have in reading this are going to be next paragraph. Okay. Mortal Kombat with a bat? This movie is horrible. (laughs) Uninterested old lady in the bathroom is now very concerned. (laughs) Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you kill me? (laughs) That should have been the title of their review, you fucking idiot. Eccentric? He's a nut. (laughs) (laughs) But what kind of nut? Is he a cashew or a peanut? I've been told cashews aren't actually nuts. No, peanuts aren't actually nuts. They're they're legit. I've heard both, actually. They're all fucking wrong. How dramatic. A light. This is not a dark comedy, but a dark tragedy. Oh, you you figured it out. Good. Vampires eat cockroaches? Now we have to suffer through an action scene of walking quickly down several flights of stairs, including interesting shots of hands touching the banister. Well, again, the cockroach-eating thing goes to the idea that he might be a Renfield-type character. Okay, go on. Yeah, but I wish they weren't planks either. Then I would get the remaining 25 minutes back to spend in a more fruitful manner, like mismatching my socks. Okay, buddy. Another concerned older lady. When was this one? OMG, the plastic teeth have taken this movie to a new low. (laughs) No bouncer? No matter what it is, there is always someone into it. There was, there was. He punched very ineffectual. I mean, he was was an ineffectual bouncer. That's why he said no bouncer with a question mark. Oh, okay. I mean, he's wrong, though. There is one. Yeah. Dramatic emotions quickly followed by a crappy 80s dance. (laughs) Okay, buddy. That was a very quick night time. Well, no, he was out all night, but whatever. Blissfully, it is over. Is that it? Yeah, that's the Oh, well, blissfully, it's over. We're almost over, but just for extra fun. Will, we've got a quiz here. uh, Bartek likes to look for quizzes related to the movie, but he found a quiz related to vampires. Yeah, all Vampires (laughs) Academy and other (laughs) vampire-related things took up all the quizzes. So, Will, imagine you're being interrogated. Here's the name of the quiz. Would you date a vampire? In brackets... Girls only. So this is for girls okay. only. Well, so you have to feel a bit of a, a intimidation with this. So I've got we got several questions here. You have to answer your most likely choice. Here's the first. How do you feel walking at night? Do you feel it's scary sometimes, but I like it? Or what are you ta- what are you talking about? I don't walk out at night. <laughs> or do you feel I love it. I go out at night when my parents are sleeping and relax. Or the final one. I love the night feeling of the cold bitterness biting my flesh. I'll go with, what are you talking about? <laughs> I knew you were going to I never night. walk at night. <laughs> okay, well, let's say if you did have a vampire boyfriend, what would you do if he kissed you? Would you think in horror of his fangs popping out? In brackets. In brackets, this in brackets is her 
saying as dialogue, Now that I think about it, ew! That was all one answer. <laughs> now that I think about it, wait, am I Hold on, hold on, that's wait, one so answer. That's the, the quiz creator question. Think, think in horror, think oh, in horror okay, about so his fangs consistent. popping out it's in the thoughts. Now that I think about it, ew! Or I'd, I'd think, wow, he's a great kisser. Or I'd just try not to think about, think of the fact he might be drinking me blood. Oh, <laughs> me spelt M I. <laughs> me blood. Okay, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I think I'd be worried about the f- drinking me blood. Okay, okay. I'd be worried about him drink. Or am I not worried he's drinking okay, me blood? Okay, you're not worried. So then me we boy, have the third one. Laddie. Your vampire, your vampire boyfriend asks you out on a date where you would take. Where would you take him? Sorry, that had no punctuation. Where would you take him? At night, under the moonlight, and watch the stars. And get again in brackets with the me. This is a vampire, not a wolf. That's one answer. Uh, would you go to a park That's and a walk racist. around holding hands? Would you go to a romantic movie? Or this is a third option out of no. This is the fourth option out of five. And this is this. These first two words are in in bold, so I have to say it in bold. I don't know. Let him choose, I guess. Or shopping. <laughs> was the well, was the park and the shopping at night, or is it no. one of those vampires that will, will it no. die in the day or not necessarily? They didn't say. So, what's your answer? Shopping. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Okay, your vampire your vampire boyfriend leans in to hug you. In brackets, me again. Aww. What do you do? Do you? And these, these, the first bits of these are in bold again. Hug him and hold my breath so I can't smell death. <laughs> Hug him. Mmm. For someone who's pale, he sure is warm. Hug him. He's squishing me. That M dot 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 F probably for blood. Me. And then it's just like the emoji, I guess, of the big, uh, a big eye and a little eye going like, ooh, face. Ooh. Um, this is all in bold. Kick him where the sun don't shine. And that's what you get for trying to hug me, you. And I think it's supposed to be bitch, but it's all... <laughs> it's B and then a bunch of, like, the And then last one. Hug him. Hmm. This isn't bad. So uh, four the of the five answers is reeks like a decomposing corpse, so I guess it wouldn't be like mmm, yeah. So which one are you going with? Um, Four of the five answers are hugging. Um, <laughs> which of those? I'll hug him then, I but guess. which one? Oh, I'm fucking... I'm <laughs> Even this... Okay, this I'm gonna give you the squishing one. Alright, hit me with okay, the squishing. what colour eyes do you want him to have? In brackets, out of these. Do you want green, yellow, crimson, grey, or brown? They didn't go with blue, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I guess crimson's the most fitting for a vampire. What, yeah, I was thinking what's, that's what's wrong with this red, though. Uh, to be crimson. No, because they're vampires. Okay, next page of, of questions. Page. That was only first. <laughs> to be fair, I think you're more than halfway through. You're you're halfway through. If if my if my thing wants it's a marathon. to. Oh, I know, I know, William Brooks. We'll see if you have a better response uh, answer than us. Ah, it's not. It's not wanting to go to the second page. Well, it's not wanting to go to the second page. Oh, well, we're not gonna know at this point. We're not gonna know at this point, William Brooks. But just to breeze past, I can't remember the next few questions because my thing's being a dick and not wanting to go to the next page. But 
the results for mine, Vartek and I did this before. Yeah. What was your result? I think mine was, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was also, oh yeah, you like it. <laughs> will, I would assume... I might never get an, oh yeah, will, you like it. We will quiz you on this outside of the show and post the answer of what yours was. Um, but thank you for participating in half of the Would You Date a Vampire Girls Only quiz. I will post this on our social medias for you at home, the listening people, to engage. Girls only! Until next time, my great listening people, you have been fantastic as always. But until next time, do remember to be kind to each other. Also remember that we have an iTunes and a Spotify and a Google Play and a Stitcher and well, and all those kind of things, Podbean. You can listen to us, you can share us, you can rate us, review us on whatever platform allows it. iTunes would be much appreciated. We have a YouTube, we have Facebook, Twitter, and we will be continuing our spooky month. This is just the first installment and it is the spooky, it is pretty spooky, but things are going to be bubbling up over the next few episodes, aren't they, Vardy? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the the episodes themselves are the spooky stuff. In real life, we, we're absolutely fine. Nothing bad's happening. <laughs> and they didn't realize at the end of the month, things would take a dark turn. <laughs>